0: Another extraordinary message on Gil Athletics Connections. Well, welcome to the show. If it goes to appreciate the coach, the ones who point people most, Every season needs a voice of reason, speaking the growth. Got to prep for you, carry the load. It's coffee to the soul. For those of us who stay on the go. Proper handoff to stay in the zone. What you packing for the road. There's more than one way to the go. Take notes, that's paying your toe. It ain't practice if your purpose ain't clear. It can't happen to you listen with both ears. You can't mentor without a mentor. Here's of, of experience. You can reinvent those years. Every plan's got a standard to live up to. And the price sacrifice. Can you give up you? It's a choice and a fight not a win or lose it's not a ploy but vice so y'all can make more moves it's not about how to it's all about why you don't know till you know who you are inside six million ways to tie choose none so we all cross the finish line the work ain't done so we learn from the experts we all got to put in the legwork guild athletics use a network it's all about connections put together for the profession to every track coach could be blessed
1: Here we are back again on the Gill Athletics Connections podcast. I am so humbled to be your host, Mike Cunningham, National Business Development Manager here for Gill Athletics and part-time podcast host. This, you know, this is actually part of my job, which is crazy. You know how in your job description you have other duties as assigned? Cause it was never in my job duties as uh, hey. Create and host a podcast, uplifting and honoring coaches. But uh here we are uh, on episode 220. That means we've had over 220 coaches on the program. And I am super excited about today's guest. Let's hop right into it. Help me welcome the head coach from Midway University in beautiful Kentucky. It's you know, that's like a stone's throw from where we are. Help me welcome the wise, the wonderful Mr. Jay Walls. Jay, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing, doing great, Mike. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, and you—you you said you're uh, just outside of Lexington. I've—I've I've gone down to Lexington and Frankfurt and some other places down there in Kentucky a lot, man. Beautiful, beautiful country out there.
2: Oh, it is. I mean, we're—we're we're pretty much in the the thoroughbred, you know, horse capital of the world. Uh, matter of fact, our our campus is has about 180. Uh, acre working horse farm on it so we have about 38 to 40 of our own horses right here on campus wow, beautiful that, campus
1: I, I don't know why that would surprise me I, w- I just expect every school in kentucky actually like even down to like middle schools have their own stables in kentucky <laughs> yes sir
2: it's, it's it's beautiful around here that's for sure
1: now what, what's midway's mascot are you like because i know murray state's the racers you know has the horse race. are you any kind of horse racing affiliation or no we're just the eagles that's, that's <laughs> all we have Makes sense. You know, Lexington, uh, Kentucky's the Wildcats. That's not a, a, you know, a, a thing. Hey, my favorite joke for Kentucky. Are you ready for this?
2: Yes, yeah, so if it's a joke about Kentucky, I'm definitely
1: ready. Well, that. it's it's reference. Everybody who's from Kentucky, don't get mad. This is not a joke about Kentucky. Uh, my favorite joke. I love this joke. Uh, you know, I'm a dad now, so these are you know this is right up my alley as far as dad jokes. Uh, how do you, Jay? You're you live in Kentucky. How do you pronounce the capital of Kentucky, Louisville or Louisville? Frankfurt. Yeah, dang it, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> We actually live in Franklin, Oh, yeah. That was a good try. Good try. I I realized I said the name of it too earlier, and I was like, oh, I've already kind of tipped it off. I was like, oh, man. But, you know, it'd have been even worse if you living in Kentucky didn't know it. So, I'm bravo. Good job. Yeah. But I'm from Louisville. Yeah. There you go. Louisville. (laughs) Well, let's get into it, man. You say you're from Louisville. That's a I I love Louisville. We love going down there uh, for vacations and stuff. That's great. Let's uh hop back into our um, Wayback way back machine here, Jay, where you know, at some point, athletics, assuming you were an athlete, uh, somewhere in your mind it had to start switching for you. That instead of coaching just being something that's done to you, Jay, go run this, go lift that, throw this, etc., to uh, switch where it had to be like, well, wait a minute like I could actually be a coach, like that could be a career for me. Where does coaching start for you?
2: Well, for myself, it actually started in high school for me. Um, when I was in middle school, I lived in Eastern Kentucky uh, at that time, and we only had one track meet a year uh, with the county track meet. So seventh and eighth grade, I did that those two years, but my father was actually a runner. He ran uh, one year at the University of Louisville um, before he ended up going into the military. But So he kind of had a background in it, Um, but I would say, so when I got in high school, but I was a, I was one of those young kids that was like a a sponge and like I was a student of the sport. Like, so, and my, my high school coach was really great. Like every year he would, you know, send out a um, like regional preview meet. Like he had this packet that he would give, you know, all incoming freshmen for their first year. And he did that every year. Wow. And so it was like, you could go through and he had all the teams listed, their top returners. And so like, I would just go through and just soak that up and just truly, truly enjoyed that. Wait, and so for, runners...
1: for football, they have, you know, the the scouting report. You're telling me your coach had that for track. Yes, sir. And this is back in 1992. Did Dude, I love that. You know, we almost named the podcast the Gill Shoutout Podcast. Do you remember Coach's name? Who was this? this? is amazing. Oh, it's James Jackson. He's still one of my best friends of this day. Is that
2: right? James Jackson making scouting reports. Most people just know him by Coach. I'd say 85% of people don't even know his first name. <laughs> sure. Yet. Everybody knows him by Coach. Um, but, yes, he finally retired. Last year was his first year not coaching. But even though there's like a 40-year age difference, he's still one of my best friends to so this mm-hmm. day. We get together and go out to eat you know, play cards and all that. He's just, he's a, a truly great man and was a huge influence in my life and a, and a role model for me for sure.
1: So he, he created these scouting reports and you said you were a student of the sport. So do you just soak these things up?
2: Oh, you already know. Yes, sir. I did. And then just, you know, my dad got runner's world. So, you know, I was always constantly, you know, flipping through that and, and checking on that. Cause you know, that's pretty much all we had back in the day. We didn't have all the internet access and and everything online like we do now. So it was just, you know, waiting for that that day where it would come in the mail to, you know, get it and open it up and just go right through it. And, but I've been like that with uh, sports pretty much my whole life. It was the same way with the paper. Like as soon as the paper would come in, I was grabbing that sports section, just always going through, you know, reading everything that I could. Um, I've always been a reader, you know, and, and so I truly enjoy just trying to soak up as much knowledge as I can. You know, it used to be about just all sports in general, but now it's just with so much time consuming. It's really just try to stick, you know, to a, to a cross country and track.
1: So as you were going through high school there with Coach Jackson, and again, I just love that he was doing a scouting report. It, it makes me like wonder, like, was anybody else doing scouting report? I, I, no one ever did a scouting report for me. That is so cool. What was your relationship with him at that time? And what I mean, that is more of the relationship with coach, as far as like, did you think at as you're going through high school and obviously he had an amazing impact on your life that you're like, you, you mentioned that you guys are best friends today. I love that. Uh, obviously that shows the positive impact he made on you. And I can almost guarantee hundreds of others of kids that he has coached throughout the thousands of kids he has coached throughout his career. Where, did you look to him as like, oh yeah, I want to be, I want to be, this, I want to be coach. I want to be coach Jackson one day. Or was it more of like, yep, this is a great time. You know, we're together two, three hours a day. Uh, but I'm, you know, I'm going to go become a fireman or a cop or businessman, whatever.
2: Yeah, it wasn't there originally. And mm-hmm. coach Jackson, he's a very eccentric coach. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's loud, he's brash, which, you know, my background's distance. And so for a distance coach, you know, that was kind of you know, unheard of. So he kind of would rub, you know, some other coaches the wrong way. So, and our program got pretty good pretty fast. Um And so there was just some some issues with that too. And, and no, we actually used to always make fun of him. It's sad to say, and, and you know, I hate saying it, but we used to always make fun of him just, you know, but but the one thing you could tell is that he truly loved and cared about all of us. And he truly cared about the sports and progressing the sport in our school. And the one thing that he did is he advocated for us so much, in our high school i mean we had a wall of fame in our high school which you know that's back then you know i mean he had our pictures for like you know freshman of the year like he would put all that stuff in. he had his own section of the wall so he definitely advocated for us and so that's kind of where i learned you know how to advocate for my student athletes yeah. obviously uh, today but not at first and but i mean obviously i was a student of the sport and so i did just you know i wanted to 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 go to school and then you know hopefully you know run at the collegiate level and then become a high school teacher and a coach so that mm-hmm. was the the goal probably I can say from probably about junior year of high school yeah you know, it was when I finally you know clicked and said okay I think I would like to get into coaching you know but it was definitely at the high school level originally is, is the only plan that I had.
1: When, when it when it clicked for you of like, okay, I'm going to go to school and we'll find out where you went to school. And if you did get to run collegiate track and field, I never want to assume any of our coaches were college athletes because it, it, that's still a very small fraternity that actually go on to compete college. That's still like, to me, no matter where you go on to run college, like that's a big deal. Like not everybody's going on to do that. So I don't ever want to assume that, but we'll learn that here in a second. I'm curious when it clicked for you sometime in your junior year of like, okay, I'm going to go to school, hopefully run, but I'm going to become a teacher so that I can become a high school teacher and high school coach. Did you observe things differently? Like when coach Jackson would give the workout instead of just like, okay, it's five by 800 meter time or whatever. Uh, oh, okay. I wonder why he's assigning us five by 800. And, and we did this yesterday. So how does that, co- did you look at it differently at that point? That's still, you know, you're 16, 17 years old. So you're excused to say no, that you did. not But I'm just curious when it finally clicked that, you know, I do want to do this. Did you look at the workout structure differently? See, I wouldn't, just being completely
2: honest, I wouldn't say that at that yeah. time, I mm-hmm. just was like, you know, I enjoy this sport. So much. And I was like, you know, I could see myself doing this for the rest mm-hmm. of my life, you know, mm-hmm. being a teacher and being a coach. But no, it, I didn't really try to to, to get into the exercise mm-hmm. physiology or anything like right. that or the whys at that time just being completely honest. I was yeah, just like, Hey, yeah. this is kind of cool. You know, I would like to do this. Yeah. yeah. Um, And like, once again, so young and naive, didn't have a clue how much really goes into it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't think most of us do, because I, I think the majority of us who are athletes that go on to coach, when we initially get into coaching, we fall back to how we were coached. Now that doesn't mean we, nope. uh, I am gonna say nitpicked it or analyzed it. And so the reason why we uh, coach the way we were coaches because, you know, I remember Coach Jackson giving me dot. And then, you know, the next day was this. And it was just like, oh, yeah, no, no. I remember Coach Jackson gave us five by 800. So, uh, first day of practice, guess what we're going to do? We're going to do five by 800. <laughs> you know, so uh, I don't think most of us do even early. And you know, we've had coaches here on the podcast that, you know, grew up as coaches, kids, and we're like, oh, yeah, since third grade, I knew I was going to be a coach. And they mm-hmm. still, they were like, okay, dad told me to run. So I just went and ran. I didn't, you know, question it or think about it or analyze it so I think that's that's pretty common
2: and that's the same thing we did and that's it's funny that you say that because we actually as we got older and we got into coaching we would always mess with coach Jackson and be like was there any rhyme or any reason to what you were having us do you know it's um and so we always poke with him because we were we didn't do a lot of miles it was very you know a lot of shorter faster stuff but what he did do is he made it fun Mm. like you know he would have you know, just a typical workout, we're doing like a double double on a hill, but he would have like the slower guys go out first where, you know, you had to run and catch them. And so he, he incorporated a bunch of stuff, you know, like that, but he definitely always made it fun. Um, But yeah, we did kind of always jab at him. Like, did you even know what you were doing back then? Just, just messing with (laughs) him, but he did, he, he, his results speak for themselves. So yeah,
1: I, I think we, we lose sight of that F word. You just said they're fun. You know, um, we recently had Sean McCafferty up at um, Christian Brothers uh, Academy on the podcast. And uh, I think one of the, quotes he said, I might be paraphrasing here a little bit is the science doesn't matter as much as you think it does. And and what he was saying was, he was talking about culture, actually. And he was like, mm-hmm. you know, having the kids buy in, buy in for each other, buy in for the coach and vice versa, you'll get much better results out of that. Um, there's, there's a little thing going on Twitter right now uh, about trampoline training for sprinters, you know, doing different things on trampoline. And some people are on the one side of like, well, this does nothing for you as an athlete and a sprinter, blah, blah, blah. And then others on the other side are like, yeah but you know what the kids enjoy it that the kids have fun mm-hmm. and you know it's something that, that, different yeah that's that's important i think we forget about variety that all the way up through the highest levels we tend to like for some reason go like oh fun sure you're in, if you're coaching high school knock yourself out and have fun with the kids but in college we can't do that we got to be yeah. you know straight and narrow and blah, blah 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 and all this stuff and it's like man even in college you're dealing with 18 to 22 year olds we're, we're still dealing with kids shouldn't it be fun i mean at the end of the day it's sports right so shouldn't it be fun. So I, I like that, that, that was a, uh, a focus of coach Jackson, uh if you will. You, you gave us one example. Is there any other examples you can think of where like, yeah, you know, coach Jackson, this was just a fun workout. This was just for us to uh, get to know each other and, and be able to run for each other versus uh this was a lactic workout.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, that's um, I mean, just every day, just his personality, you know, like he would take time, you know, at the at beginning of the day and we would, you know, we would talk, you know, as a team um you know go over the workout what we were doing but mm-hmm. when out we also did a lot of stuff outside of practice together which i think was huge now some of that wasn't fun at the time mm-hmm. a lot of it was like fundraising like this guy was i mean we fundraised during the summer like every weekend we were having a car wash at our school but also while we're doing the car wash at our school the parents are, are doing a yard sale over on the side Wow. you know so like he would get those where they were conjunction together so the kids are working the car wash and the parents are you know donating all the items they don't need or want anymore and so then we're doing a you know a yard sale for that, and so he he implemented a fundraising system, and so we would travel all across the southeast and, and the midwest a little bit, like we would go up to Ohio, Indiana, Tennessee, Alabama, um, just numerous different states, just you know. But we worked and we earned that, and I think a lot of that um, you know that team culture came through us all working very hard together. You know, I think that helped as well because we're all out there, you know, every summer just, you know, working, doing the fundraisers. We parked cars at University level basketball games and, you know, six inches of snow. I mean, you named it. And that stuff, when you do that stuff together, you know, you yeah. kind of create a brotherhood because our programs were separate. It was male and female. So yeah. um, and but he was always the one leading the charge. Like, <laughs> you know, he led by example um and so that's one thing that i definitely learned from him and i try to hope to you know continue to instill in, in myself in our program is just you know trying to lead by example because he was out there parking cars with us, he's out there yeah. washing cars with us you know he wasn't over there in the shade you know drinking his lemonade and everything like that <laughs> um but i think just a lot of those times that we just did stuff outside of running together mm-hmm. you know like that just even though it was work it was still fun you know yeah. that just kind of helped create that bond and that brotherhood and. But anytime, you know how it is, anytime when you're out there practice, you know, two hours a day and you're out there sweating, sometimes bleeding, you know, sometimes right. crying together. Like, you know, it's you just create that bond also. So, yeah, and he was just a very just you'd have to meet him. Hopefully, yeah. you can because like he's he's just a very great guy and he's, he has so many student athletes that just still for a part of his life, you know, and just that he hangs out with and everything. And that just shows how much that he impacted, mm-hmm. you know, so many uh, young men that came through his program.
1: I love it. I love it. James Jackson, if you're listening, man, obviously what an impact you made on Jay here, but uh, I guarantee you there are other people who are listening and not listening that you made amazing positive impacts on. So shout out to you because that is absolutely what it's all about at the beginning and the end of the day, my friend. So, uh, so glad to, to hear about your story there as well. So, Jay, you decide your junior year. Yep, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to become a teacher. Uh, I'm going to coach. I'm going to be Coach Jackson. I'm going to have as much fun uh, parking cars with my kids, uh, athletes, (laughs) as 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 Coach Jackson does. Where did you end up going to school and uh, did you end up running at college? Yes, sir. I
2: did. I ended up going down to Austin Peay State University yeah. down in Clarksville, Tennessee, and ran for
1: Elvis Ford. Oh, yeah, Elvis Ford! Is that right? Yes. yes sir. Oh, that's awesome. The uh, the governors, right? Yep, that is correct. Yeah. Austin Peay governors. Nice. So you go in and you uh, study like um, uh, um, um, not physical education, like an education major. Health and human performance. So okay. that's,
2: this is when I started getting into the all right the exercise science part. Mm-hmm. So I went into uh, and majored in health and human performance and minored in education. So the plan was to go be a, a health and a PE. Or I said, I'm sorry, health and PE teacher and then cross country and track coach. But also Excellent. minored in history. So history, I loved history. So just in case I wanted to keep being a history teacher in there as well, too. So I was trying to keep a couple options open.
1: So you weren't busy enough. You're like, you know what, let me just throw in another... Like, like minor here as well. Let's go history.
2: No, it's just something that I enjoyed. So it it, it doesn't like a the classes weren't didn't seem like work or anything. I right. just truly really right. enjoy history. So
1: hmm. yeah, that's where we're different, Jay. We're very. <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't like history at all, and then I did take uh, an American uh, history class in college, and actually did really really did enjoy that for some reason. But uh, the, the now my history comes from you know I watched the musical Hamilton. That's how I now know of history. Like I learned so much more about Hamilton through Hamilton about America and how it's founded than I ever did in, in, in history books. That's for sure.
2: Well, that's my stepchildren. They love Hamilton.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see. This is this is this is why the podcast are two hours long, Jay, because I can't help but interject my own stories. So I refused to watch Hamilton, and my daughter was like, "Please, please, please," and I was like, "Oh man." I was like, "Fine, I'll yeah, I'll tell her. You know what? I'll give you 15 minutes, and then I, I'm out." And then I was I started feeling bad as a dad. I was like, "You know what? <laughs> Gosh, if my daughter wants me to watch some show, I can I can make it through. There's worse things out there. Uh, I've never I never watched a musical, so I just was you know afraid of it. You know, um, and I don't even think I knew that it was hip hop, you know, and and rap based, which are, is my favorite genre. So I think I would have been more excited if I'd have known that. But we uh, we go downstairs, and I'm thinking, yeah, 15 minutes, I'm going to be out. Man, I was enthralled the whole time, and ever since that day, and this was COVID, so this was three years ago. Those songs have lived in my head. Uh, in fact, <laughs> me, my wife, my daughter, and my mother-in-law this summer went to Indianapolis and watched it on on stage. So we got on to stage. Watch it. Yeah, man. yeah. They oh, went God. up to Chicago and
2: watched it. I didn't. I haven't seen it myself either. But yeah. Yeah, they went
1: to Chicago. You, and it. you haven't seen it at all, like on Disney Plus, no, sir, dude. Sure not. Sure haven't, dude homework you've got to go Uh, it's i'll put that on my to-do list i mean from the jump the very first songs the very first hooks the lyrics coming right off the bat is like oh okay this is catchy and it only keeps getting better i mean it's all right homework seriously put on your list move a couple you know uh, take some recruits down a couple notches you don't have to worry about all that kind of stuff and just go straight into watching hamilton okay it'll i I don't want to overstate it but it'll change your life that's why I hear a lot of people like it. It's amazing. It's amazing. That might be a heard little. Heard some of the
2: songs in the soundtrack. I definitely heard that. That's you know the same ones probably over and over for like three yeah. weeks in a row. And
1: <laughs> Alexa is tired of us hearing us say, "Alexa, play Hamilton." In the soundtrack, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. All right, let's get back to one of my favorite people. Uh, Elvis Ford was your college track coach. Um, yes, sir. That's he awesome. How was that, man?
2: At first, like, I was just starstruck at first. I remember going down onto my official visit, you know, and, and talking to him. And it sounds like you definitely know Elvis. And, you know, he he's a man that it seemed like to me when I first got there. Um, obviously, like I so said, I was starstruck. I was like, he'd been to two Olympics. So I was like, yeah, this man's the real deal. And then, you know, got there. And, and, and he's one of those guys that, you know, he's very quiet. And, you know, he's he was – he's still built. Like, he's still, you know – he still can go um, run like 47 at least right now. <laughs> no, it's funny that you say that because when I was in college, we would go back to Southern Illinois where he finished at his last two years. He was at Murray for two years and went to Southern Illinois and finished his uh, his last two years because I think Murray's coach went up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we would go up there for one of their indoor meets. It was because it lined up with their homecoming weekend. So he would go up there and, and do all that. And and he would still jump in their indoor meets and run seconds and whoop up on most of the college guys like legit he was 40 years old imagine holy 40 years old (laughs) or close to 40 (laughs) (laughs) yeah he was he was a stud and and so but you know at first he was very intimidating Mm. you know because he's quiet you know and of course he's got that look on his face all the time and um didn't say anything unless it needed to be said type guy you know like you know business but uh when i was there i think it was my sophomore year i had a uh a female cousin passed away that I'd lived with for part of my life so she was also kind of like a sister to me um so it was a very tough uh, and difficult part of my of my life and um you know he brought me into his office and he told me he said you know family's very important he said I don't want you to think about us he said you just go you know go to the funeral go with your family you know mourn, do whatever you need to don't worry about us we'll be here you know when you can come back and so you know, I did that and then I came back and it was still kind of just tough. And I remember going into his office and talking to him and then it, like he opened up a whole another person that I didn't even know was there, you know, and I was like, OK, this guy really does care. Which, you know, I knew he did ultimately like I just saw that real like caring side of him. And um, he probably doesn't even know this to this day, but it just helped me so much. And I was like, OK, this guy is human. <laughs> He's not just, a you know, a, a coaching robot or, a, you know, just a, a track athlete robot. Um, and so it just showed me that he truly cared. Uh, and so he's another, one of the reasons why I got into coaching, you know, he gave me my first coaching opportunity as a student assistant. So
1: at Austin, Pete,
2: yes, sir. My- so,
1: so, so you went through, you finished out your degree, things were going the, the, the way you you finished out with an education degree. Well, like I okay. said, it,
2: it was a little, this is a little different. Uh-huh. Um, my freshman year, I got redshirted cause I got a stress fracture. So I had that fifth year. And so the fifth year um i came back and ran in the fall for cross and then in the spring i still had some classes to take because that's my own fault that's a whole nother story Uh um had a little bit too much fun sometimes in college uh and so he's like well hey he's like you know i'll still pay for this you know last semester just come on and be a student assistant Hmm. and help me out you know with the team in any in any capacity and i was like hey heck yeah i was like you know this is what i want to get into so i said might as well and i'll do anything that i can to help Hmm. And so I did, and we ended up winning the OBC Indoor Championships. And so, like, after that, I was like, then you really get oh, that, you know, yeah. adrenaline rush and like, oh man, so this, yeah. is, this is nice. Uh, and so that kind of was like, all right, you know, college coaching is really, really fun, and, and mm-hmm. you know, I, could, I could get used to this. But then I graduated, and I stayed in Clarksville and just worked. I was working at, like, a, I think a YMCA. I was getting paid to be a big kid, so I loved it. I was doing summer day camp, uh, worked in um, the teen center. We had a teen center. I was like the assistant director of our basketball league. So I would just stayed in the area and was just working um, at the YMCA. And Elvis ended up leaving and he went to Illinois state. Right. So they brought in a new coach um, who came from SEMO mm-hmm. and Yvonne Hinty Lowe. Uh, she was an athlete there and I think she was an assistant there and she came and got the head position. And so she needed some help with the distance side of things. And so Lisa, who was still a a young lady um, on the team, was working the summer day camp as a counselor. She was like, hey, you know, coach is looking for some help. And I was like, really? I was like, well, tell her I'm interested. Uh, And so she did. And then so me and her, you know, got up and and met together. And she she offered me the, you know, it was a part-time assistant, you know, position. Um, But, you know, I was so young and naive, as I mentioned before we hopped on here, that I didn't realize how hard it was to get into college coaching. And, you know, I just kind of did, you know, what I knew of at the time and what I had been through, as you mentioned earlier. So it was just kind of just, all right, you know, but just had a lot of fun. Um, And so I did that for, she left, I think after a year. And during that summer, I was like the only person kind of there while they were searching for head coach. So I guess I I could say it was an interim tag. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just focused on recruiting. So that was like my real first um experience with like recruiting because she handled most of it beforehand. But when you're there for three months, I mean, somebody has to keep, you know, the ship afloat. Right. And so, I, I mean, I just did what I knew. So I just go down looking at results and then, you know, reaching out, making contacts to school, trying to figure out, you know, get phone numbers. And so now I just got on the phone and hop on the phone. And, and that just like really was my first experience with recruiting. And I was like, recruiting is awesome. I was like, I like this. Cause I'm an introvert, but when it comes to like one-on-one, I love getting to know people and develop those relationships and, you know, that's the thing that I love about recruiting because everybody's so different, you know, and so, you know, getting kind of like we're doing here, getting to know each other's story and and their background, because for me as a coach, you know, that's, that's so important to me, you know, like, I know, you know, Connor, the runner, I want to know more about Connor, the person, you know, Mm -hmm. what do you enjoy and things like that. Um, So that way, you know, you can figure out what makes, you know, each individual tick and and how, learn how to motivate them and,
1: and all that. So you know, you said something there that I thought was interesting. I'm I'm fascinated by introvertness versus extrovertness. Right. Um, and I struggled for a long time because I, I tend to act like an extrovert. Like I think people, if they were to say, Hey, you know, what would you put Mike Cunningham as introvert or extrovert? I think they would, they would go towards extrovert. And, and certainly I do, I can, you know, I love working a room and all that kind of stuff, you know, but it, it does tire me. Like I go home and I'm like, all right, I want to be myself for 12 hours. Right. Uh, and the introvert says, Oh yeah, man, talking to someone takes it out of me. Um, I need I need alone time for the next you know I, I'll talk for one hour I need six hours alone time almost six to one ratio right and it really helped me I can't remember what book it was but I learned the term so I thought intro, introvert and extrovert was like a light switch you know it's on mm-hmm. or off you're introvert or you're extrovert and this book I read probably by like Daniel Pink or something like that talked about that it's actually a spectrum and that very few of us are far right uh, introvertedness or far left extrovertedness that we actually fall on the scale and that most people actually kind of tend to hit right in the middle. And they actually have a term for that. They call it ambivert, A-M-B-I-V-E-R-T, ambivert. There's some oh. some things and sometimes where extrovertness is is uh, very natural to you. And then there's other times where it's like, oh yeah, I need to be my introvertedness self here as well. And so I say all that to say, you know, it's interesting when you think about coaching on an introvert versus extrovert scale, because mm-hmm. I think most people, I think, would say, oh, yeah, if you're an introvert, you're going to be at a disadvantage on recruiting. But you then followed it up by saying something very interesting to me when you said, oh, I love the one-on-one. Like, I love getting to know the person. So it makes me feel like if Jay had to go to a track meet and hey, here's 30 kids that you're gonna talk to and give out your business card and your website and talk about your program, that you can still maybe do it. Does not doesn't mean you can't (laughs) do it, but it's like, oh man, after those 30 kids and those 30 questions and parents. just, I need to back, like, I got to do that tomorrow. Oh, don't make me do that. tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) But on the one-on-one. So I was just curious, have you seen that? I kind of gave you an example there. Unfortunately, I kind of biased you there a little bit. Have you seen that in yourself of where, yeah, when I'm one-on-one with a recruit or recruiting their parent, man, I'm, I'm golden, but man, when it's a, when I have to pitch to the family, you know, I go do a home visit mom and grandpa and coach and kid and little brother, like, Oh, I actually probably don't do that great of a job. Have you seen that in yourself? You know, I probably did misspeak and what you said
2: makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think probably a lot of it just has to go to, you know, in my brain and what most people consider to be the, you know, the number one fear of most people, which is public speaking. Um, obviously, when I'm comfortable in my elements, it usually doesn't really bother me at all. But I, I've also just I guess I should say I'm, I'm more of an observer instead of a person that just goes out. So maybe that's a better, better right, wording right. or a uh-huh. better uh, label for me as I'm more of an observer instead of an introvert. You know, I'm that guy whenever we go out, I'm always just sitting out, you know, heads kind of on a swivel, just checking everything out, you know. And, but I mean, I feel like uh actually, it's, and it's not just one on one, you know, like when I have the family there too, you know, I mean, I'm, I feel comfortable. I guess it's more so when I'm in my element, you know, it's like, I'm like, all right, and I can just kind of flow and just go, uh, kind of like right now, you know, yeah. it's just, you know, just great conversation, just flow back and forth. And, and I also, when it's something that I'm truly care about and I'm so passionate about, it's like it's not an issue and like when I get people here for for campus visits or if you're going to do a home visit you know even if it's 10 people when it's something I'm passionate about and I just have so much in my like I get so excited because I have so much in my head that I want to talk about our program and our university and so then it's just probably more like just (laughs) instead of like you know the, the yeah the reserve to you know quiet laid back type They're they're like, like, I thought this
1: guy was an introvert. What in the world? (laughs)
2: Exactly. But when it comes to our program, and like our university, you know, it's I just I get so excited, you know, especially when I get campus visits, you know, people here to talk about it, you know, and it's just like, I mean, yesterday I've had we've had three campus visits in the past two days.
1: Right. Um,
2: And like when I get, you know, the families here, I just get so excited. And it's, you know, because it's it's a lot. To give somebody when you're spending, you know, three to to six hours or however long it might be, mm-hmm. you know, with them, um, and that's a thing as you know, they're all different, you know. But uh, I mean, yesterday was a really good one, and it was probably about six or seven hours, um, yeah. you know. So, and when I get in that and that, and unfortunately, that's what I tell them too, because like, well, you know, do all of our things, and we'll come back from office, and we'll just be sitting there talking, and I still just have so much information that I'm trying to get to them, and I'm like, I have to look, and I'll be like are you on a time crunch? You know, like, do you have, like, is there a certain time you have to be out of here? I'm like, cause I can hold you hostage all day long. I can can sit here and talk, you know, cross country and track all day long. I can sit here and talk, you know, Midway university all day long, you know, and um, definitely do that. But, but as I said, a lot of that time is also, I choose not to focus on that time. Cause like I said, I want to know more about them, you know, like, you know, Oh, have have you lived where you're coming from your whole life? And just, you know, you know, you bounced around and, Cause that's just so, so important to me as a coach, um, especially during that recruiting process, you know, cause it's important for me to to make sure we're bringing good quality character student athletes into our program. So I try to do as much homework as I can before they even get here, you know, reaching out to, you know, coaches, athletic directors, guidance counselors, and, um. See, and I've got like the adult ADHD. Like I'll start here, and then somehow I end up way over here. No,
1: what we have to be careful is I also have that J. So we have to be careful that we,
2: we like we, that.
1: Yeah, we, we got to be careful. I have that same thing, and so we, we, we you and I will go. We'll, we'll be talking oh, about yeah. Mars and Martians here in a second, and it'll, it'll all make sense somehow in our brain. So yeah, we got to be careful with that. I'm, I'm curious about that. When you talk about, you know, it's important to you to know the kid, not just the The I'm kind of paraphrasing put my own words here, not just the times and the marks that they've they've done. You know, I think sometimes we think that recruiting and and sales, by the way, are just nat- like you either are or you aren't. Like there's no teaching or anything like that. And I do not think that's true at all. I certainly thought that when I first got into recruiting as a college coach, and also when I first got into sales here at Gill, and you know, maybe only took me 17 years here as a <laughs> uh, sales professional at Gill that I've learned like, oh no, no, it, there's an actual skill to it because, and, and the better you can become at it, the better you're actually serving in the, in the sales side. We're actually serving our coaches, our, our customers, if we become better salespeople. And mm-hmm. I think the same thing for coaching is like, oh, if you become a better recruiter, you're actually serving the, the student athlete better uh, because you're you're allowing them to um, not pick you. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, sometimes coaches will change who they are and their personality because they really want this recruit. But then when the rubber meets the road, when they actually get there, it's like, well, you know, and you go back to being who you are because you, you can't run from who you actually are. Right. Uh, you know, that kid's like, wait a minute. I thought this coach was this way, but mm-hmm. they ain't show. And it's like, well, then it just, you know, that's disaster, not only for the kid, for you and your program, etc. So what I'm curious about with you, how did you, and maybe you're on the other side of this, Jay, maybe you're like, Oh yeah, no, no, no. There's, it's just personality. It's just asking questions. When you were first kind of thrown into recruiting that summer after your first year of part-time coaching at Austin, uh, at um, uh, yeah, at Austin P right. Yeah. Mm-hmm like do you remember like the first time the first person you called and you're like okay what am I going to talk about or did it come a little bit easier how, how did you how have you steadily maybe improved the way you recruit people based on it off of that first three months oh I remember summer?
2: that I remember that very first phone call very vividly it was Ron Sexton from Station Camp High School he was okay. a single a state champ in Tennessee um, and I remember being so nervous you know, making that first phone call, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, "All right." And like you said, I, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm gonna give it my best shot. Right. And then if I don't even know how long it lasted, it probably wasn't very long, but it was just making that contact, that you know, one-on-one contact. And and for me, it was just all about talking about running at the time. Like I said, because mm-hmm. I was so young and naive, and that's all I knew about right. the whole coaching part. Um, so I'll say, hey, man, congratulations! You know, good season and and all that. It wasn't nothing about grades or anything back then. Right. You know, it was just all running.
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> uh, and so he ended up signing with us but I'll, That's one of the reasons why I'll never forget that. You know, yeah. Was I, was, I was
1: wondering, I was like, how did you, like, like, did you not sign him? And that's how you remember? Like, how in the world, did you remember? No, that? he, wow. he
2: signed, he signed up <laughs> being, you know, one of the, one of the, you know, the better runners that, you know, Austin Pete had had during that era. Um, you know, and now he's, he's back at station camp high school and he's, he's a teacher and a oh, basketball wow. coach and he was yeah. coaching, he was coaching cross country and track also. Huh. Um, but uh, but yeah, he's a great young man, Ron. Ron Squeaky Sexton.
1: Squeaky, do do you um, it, it, it's funny that you remember your very first one. I, I love that. And your very first one was obviously very good, state champion thing. So you went like if you had a list of a hundred kids, you went straight from number one. You didn't say okay, I didn't you know any what? better. Let me let me knock out some. Better. Let me knock out number one hundred in case I screw this up, and then ninety nine in case I get just only a little bit better. You were like, man, let's go for number one. Let's see what happens.
2: It was single A, no, so it was a small school in Tennessee, but yes, no, I mean, don't I didn't don't know make any excuses. It was, that was <laughs>
1: still a big recruit for Austin Peay. I mean, that was still a top
2: recruit. Yeah, yeah. No, there was a lot that turned turned us down though too. But, sure, but, sure, but sure. He was the first one, and so it definitely just sticks, and that's why yeah. I'll definitely never forget that. Um, but but
1: but, sir, stay with me on the attitude here. That, that's a that's a unique attitude. I should maybe maybe I don't want to say unique because all the attitudes are unique, but that that's an interesting. Take on you, Jay, that again, I, I'm kind of imagining, you know, back in the day when I coached, when I first started, we literally used to handwrite, you know, here's our top 100, you know, oh, and, yes, the list, the list, and you decided this guy was a state champion. So at worst, he was top five, top 10 for an Austin P. And at that time frame, you decided to go there instead of like, you know what, this kid be good for a walk on. Let me start with them to get my pattern down, to get what, see what resonates with kids, et cetera. You were like, I'm going to go for Ryan. And you know what, if I just bomb it, okay, well, I'll learn from that. And I'll start, I'll go back to number two and talk to Tommy that's... or number three, and I'll talk to Jim or whomever. I just think that's exactly interesting and, and, and curious what that says about you and your, um, I don't know, is it risk taking? Maybe that's what it is. I don't know.
2: <laughs> I'm usually not big of a risk taker, but I'm more of that other guy that's more conservative, but like I said, I was just so young and naive, and I didn't know any better. I was mm-hmm. like, well, we'll just start at the top and work our way down. I was like, so well, we'll do top ten in each. And and then, of course, I was using my Kentucky connections also. So um, Coach Tony Rowe, who's at Davies County, he was Davies County's coach for so many years, won so many state championships. Um, so I reached out to him, you know, and said, hey, you know, I'm coaching at Austin P now. So I ended up recruiting his son and another guy they had that was a top ten guy in cross country in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Matt was maybe – 18th 19th so we got two guys in Kentucky I think that were in the top 20 or 25 as well too so and that was that first recruiting class I was just like like I didn't know any better I was like we're shooting for the stars
1: see what happens do you think we ever get in our own way I love how you said that and you've said it several times now where I was young Uh, I don't know if you used the word dumb, but you know, young, dumb, didn't know any better. You certainly said that. And now, you know, we're continuing to learn your journey, You're, you know, X years past that. And so, you know, you're much smarter now. Uh, I don't feel like you're the type of person that would say, I know it all now you're still learning. Uh, But you certainly know more and are more experienced today than you were back then. Do you think we ever get in our way? Like, you know, sometimes there's a positivity to being young and not knowing any better and just charging in Good. and then we get uh, you know experience and knowledge and you know we l- realized uh, you know maybe we should hold back here a little bit and plan this more go to this person first do you ever think we, we get in our own way from just not being naive enough sometimes even as older people I think you hit it on the
2: head um because now I'm kind of like all right this is this is where I'm at this is where we're at like this is kind of the group that we can get instead of you know maybe starting at the top but I'm not afraid to talk You know, to anybody, because the worst they're going to tell us is no. And then we're not, you know, we're not any worse off than we already were. So, but I kind of, you know, with where we're at and the size of our school, I'm like, all right, so this is our range. So I kind of usually, I might not start in that top 10. I might start at 11 now instead of the top 10. So.
1: Maybe and I don't think what we're describing here is unique. I think in a lot of aspects from uh, investing in stocks, uh, new jobs in the in the uh, private sector, not coaching sector, maybe in the coaching sector, um, who we uh, go after as a mate as we get older. I think that's all common. You know, you call it risk versus reward type system where we take less risk and therefore there's less reward. But maybe there's a lesson there, Jay, about um, as we maybe have some self-awareness as we become 30-year-old, 40-year-old, 50-year-old, 60-year-old coaches. I think you're smart because, you know, there's resources are finite, right? Your time, your energy, and your scholarship money, et cetera, are, are limited. So... Um, you know, I would I would love your uh pluck if you told me, hey, at midway, uh, I look at uh what used to be the die stat list. I don't know what it is anymore, but mile split or something. (laughs) I I go to the I go to the I go to the top 10 milers, you know. So what do we have? Six kids that ran sub four this year, right? I started with Connor Burns and I I don't care if I'm at midway, I'm gonna recruit, I'm gonna let him tell me no. It's like, yeah, yeah, hey Jay, that's great. Love that. You're wasting a lot of time though, no offense. I just don't see a sub four miler coming to Midway, you know. So I love exactly. that. The, so there has to be realism. But uh, using that example, if you're like uh, and I'm gonna put times and stuff that probably don't even apply, just bear with me here as the example. If you say, Yeah, you know, we, we we're we're not gonna recruit a sub four miler here at Midway, but we're gonna start at four fifteens. Like we need to, like that'll be a you know, good champ for us here. We'll go four fifteens. Maybe there's a lesson there. That as we've gotten more conservative uh, and less risk and therefore less reward, maybe it's not to jump all the way back to like, hey, you know what, I'm going to challenge myself. I'm going to sign a sub four minute high schooler. Maybe we don't go that far, but maybe we go, you know what, I'm going to try a couple of 412s or 413s this year. Uh, In the years past, I wouldn't have. I just started 415. But you know what, let's take a chance may still hear no to your point of, okay, but where am I, am I that worse off? But if exactly. you, you just, you know, uh, uh, inch back up there to being a little bit more naive and young <laughs> and not mm-hmm. knowing better. Uh, I wonder what kind of results, you know, positive results might turn out for that. And that's something I think about when I hear stories like that.
2: Well, i tell you what I have started doing the past two years is I've went back to old school Cause you know, I, I, work on these lists as I was talking about, cause I'm still old school in so many ways. And so I still make those lists, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll put, you know, I'll, I'll make a list of, you know, probably the top hundred kids in Kentucky, mm-hmm. you know, and I go through all that. And I would send 300, 400 emails mm-hmm. out to these, these high school coaches. Right. Um, and not talking bad about any coaches, but you know, yeah. you send 300, 400, you might get 20 back. Yeah. And
1: well, so you know, we're, was, you know, we're going to, we're going to talk about this. Keep going with the story, but you know, we're going to talk about this. Keep going. And so I was like, well, you know what I'm going to do is so I'm going to old school. So I'm writing
2: letters. So I started. Yeah. So now what I do is I send up about 300 letters and just send them straight to the schools, just like I got when I was in high school. All right. You know, Um. so I've started doing that. And, and you know, and so it's a letter expressing our interest, saying how, you know, I think they'd be a great fit for us. Um. And, you know, then I tell them how they can contact me. You know, obviously, you know, number email, I'll send them a link to the, the recruiting questionnaire so they can get on there, and fill that out. And so now. I do that part. And so then they reach out, reach out to me. And then that's when I know they're interested. So I've kind of started going that route for the last two
1: years. Do you have a better response rate with that? Well, I still
2: reach out to coaches, also. I'm trying to double dip now and mm-hmm. try to, you know. Um, you,
1: you, you said, uh, you know, I'm not holding to specific numbers just here, given the rough numbers, you, you used to uh, email 300 coaches and you'd get like 20 back. That's less than 10%. If you're writing th- uh, 300 and are you writing or typing? Let's be. Well, I typed you know, them. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It, really no, 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 no. That's okay. I'm, uh, we'll talk about that in a second too, where that does not matter to me. I'm just curious. Uh, are you signing or are you stamp signing?
2: Yeah, no, I go there and sign everyone. Yep, love
1: have. that. Okay. Uh, so if you're sending out 300 letters. Are you still getting 20 responses? Is it still less than 10%? I would say so. Yeah, Because uh, okay, usually what
2: I'll do at the – usually, well, the past two years, we've set up a tent at the state meet because we're actually a sponsor mm. for our state meet. Mm-hmm. And so I'll set up a tent. And, like, so the kids will see the tent, and they'll be like, oh, you sent me that letter, didn't you? Because yeah. I, I start I, – I do the juniors. I start, class, you know, the juniors. Mm-hmm. And when I start mm-hmm. in November, I send them out to the juniors. So Yeah. Um, And they're like – and so, yes, we signed, I think – Three young ladies and two guys in this yeah. this, this year's recruiting class. Yeah. I'm doing it the year before. Yeah, so I think yeah. we've signed five. You know, so for
1: us, that's that's pretty good. Absolutely. So a lot of great things to to unpack there, Jay. So one, uh, love your um. I don't even want to call it old school. Uh, it's just your hustle. I love that. Of like, hey, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna email everybody. I'll write everybody, etc. Um, I love that. Uh, we're gonna put a pin in the less than ten percent responses. Uh. Oh, wait, way less than 10%. Right. You said three. Oh yeah. No, 330. Sorry. I'm from Alabama. So I'm math, just throwing out numbers. Out no, there. no, I know. I know. I'm just trying to think in my head. Uh, I'm from Alabama. So math is not really my <laughs> strong suit here. All right. Uh, okay. So I love that, but we're going to put a pin in that response right here. Cause, cause what you're really saying again, the numbers you're right, Jay don't matter. What you're really saying is little to no response is what you're saying. So I want to talk about that. Cause we've talked about that with high school coaches as well. So I just like to kind of put everybody on blast about this. And we're going to do that again today here, Jay. Uh, the other thing that I love to unpack there, and the reason I don't know why I really asked if you wrote or typed, I think I was asking out of my own curiosity because I have done those as well. I've handwritten and I've typed and things like that. Uh, but what I, uh, you know, people will say, "Oh, I got a handwritten note. Wow, that was so special." I don't know that I've ever heard many people say, "Oh, wow, I got a text and that was special." Mm-hmm. What I don't, but but I think they're the same thing. Like, I, I don't fall in love with the medium, meaning I don't fall in love with a, I, I don't think a letter holds more weight to me than if Jay calls me or emails me or texts me or smoke signals me. Like the, the sentiment is that person reached out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I don't get, I don't fall in love with the, 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 the medium, how, how it's actually done, whether it's handwritten, typed Braille, I don't care to me. It's like, wow, that person took. It all basically takes the same amount of time, even a handwritten letter versus a text takes about the same amount of time. Let's be real here. You know, uh, especially yep. if you text like me with my thumbs, I, I got to rewrite it like a hundred times. Uh, so don't fall in love with that. So I don't, I'm worried about that. Now let's talk about the real thing. Cause this is what is super interesting. This is a, a unique perspective that I, as the host of this podcast gets is one day I'll be interviewing the head coach of Midway here Jay Wals. And then tomorrow I'll be interviewing, um, Sean McCafferty, the head track coach of Christian Brothers Academy High School, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I don't remember if Sean and I actually talked about this specifically, but I know here in a recent episode, uh, we did get into it with a high school coach talking about college coaches. The college coach general, big generalization here, uh, will say the exact same thing that you just said about college coaches. So you said, and by the way, you are not saying something that has not been said many, many times in this (laughs) podcast of, hey, I reach out to all these high school coaches and we're just going to keep using the number 10%, less than 10% reply back. I'll have a high school coach come on the show and say, man, I have reached out to college coaches about kids and less than 10% will, will, will actually respond. So what I think is really happening here, I don't point the finger at either or, I, I put point, I point all fingers at everybody. We are not responding back.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: High school coaches, I don't think we're doing a good enough job of responding back to uh, inquiries from college coaches and vice versa. I don't think college coaches are responding back appropriately to high school coaches and add club and pants. And I think th- that's the number one excuse is, do you know how busy I am, Jay? I'm a high school coach of Louisville manual. Uh, I'm teaching, I'm coaching. I have a family. Uh, you know, I'm also the um, uh, the, the, the yearbook uh, liaison, whatever they call them, right? And they say, I'm sorry, Jay. I, I, if I don't have anything for you, I don't have anything for you. I'm, I'm just not going to respond. The college coach will say, dude, I'm coaching college. I'm recruiting all the time. Oh, by the way, I have a family. Uh, I'm also on, you know, um, the 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 fundraising event for my city or whatever, you know, those kind of things. And so I think we all need to take a step back and have more grace for each other. That's where my actual fingers are going. Not, hey, you should respond to everyone. I think you should, by the way, but I think instead the lesson here is to have grace for others. So <laughs> when you email 300 coaches and only 20, I, I think, man, what are those other 280 people like? Come on. It doesn't take two seconds. I think this is, you're probably in the same headspace where you're like, it doesn't take two seconds to reply back and say, hey, thanks, got no one for you. Good yeah. luck. You, you know, it's like, oh, okay, well, I got something from the person, right? Uh, I, I'd love to get to a point where people are complaining that uh, I get 100% response rate, but they're just short notes. I'd love to get there. <laughs> that would be an yeah. awesome place to get to because I know it feels bad when you just don't get any response. The cool thing is, and you actually expressed this, and I've had this as well, you uh, where, you know, I will I love writing letters to first time coaches. So whether they become the first time head coach, or first time they get into coaching, and just, you know, just congratulations, like, man, you're, you're joining a unbelievable fraternity here as a college track coach, or a high school track coach, a head coach, etc. And rarely, you know, I put my card in there, because they can't read my handwriting. So I put my card really more of like, hey, this is who this really is, you know, uh, every once in a while, one out of one out of 300, Someone will email me and say, hey, I got the card, or they'll tweet me, hey, I got the card. Thank you. That, that meant a lot. And that's awesome. Boy, I feel so good because it's like, oh, I was able to bless this person, right? But more often, two, three, four, five, six years down the line, I'll meet that person somewhere at a meet or a convention or on the podcast, and they'll say, yeah, I remember you. You actually sent me a letter five years ago, the first time I got my college coaching job. And, you know, and, and I'm like, oh, like, they remember that, like, that's a, like, that, that's something that actually touched them enough that they remembered it years later. So, um, so I, I want to just encourage you, Jay, keep doing what you're doing. Don't, this is one of the weird things. And this is maybe, this, maybe I'm uncovering something here, Jay, because what I'm about to tell you is don't let the results or the lack of results stop you from doing what you're doing. And here's where maybe I just unpacked. I've never said this before. This just kind of hit me. Maybe it's because you're a track coach. That's why it's harder for you cuz it's like cuz you're results oriented right we're track coaches we you know how do i go from 430 in the mile to 420 and 415 and 410 right that's we're very uh results oriented people as track and field coaches so maybe this becomes an area where you're like oh well man 300 i only got 20 well gosh how do i get 30 and 50 and 100 and and maybe it's like you know what this is one of those things where you're doing a great service you're you're reaching out to coaches to try to help other kids uh, go to college and maybe earn scholarship and, and things like that, and at least be on a team. Uh, you're just doing good for doing that. Even if the coach doesn't physically respond back to you. you, you have no idea that coach might have sent it off to every one of their kids. And that's how a kid actually contacted you. And you don't, the coach don't get the credit because the kid, exactly. You no, know yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. That was a long winded uh, thing there. So sorry. Uh, But I think there's a lot of value there. And I I always want to make sure every high school coach that comes in here and says, yep, college coaches don't respond. I had this exact same conversation and, and back and forth. Cause I think there just needs to be a more grace for each other. And I think maybe we unpack something there of maybe you're letting your own idiosyncrasy of being a coach results-oriented affecting something that I don't think is results results-oriented, especially when you're doing numbers like 300. That's a, that's a lot. Right. I mean, you know, that's, that's really cool. Jay, no, we're like the we? numbers
2: we're just throwing out there. Yeah, right? yeah. No, yeah. No, 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 I, no, no, no,
1: Again, we're not talking about the specific numbers. It, it was the sentiment that, you know, 300 and you got 30 back, even if you gotten 50 back, it's like, oh well, gosh, that's still only, you know, 15% or whatever. Yeah. That's still not acceptable in my mind. If, if I call, uh if I call hundred of my family members and only 15 respond, <laughs> i still feel sad like man only 15 of my people reached back out you know what i'm saying so oh, uh, yeah so we should have higher but again have more grace uh have and i'm not talking about you jay i'm talking about in our, in our embodiment here of our profession of oh country. no i agree not, I, I know everybody gets busy and you know yeah. so i mean sometimes myself
2: I'll, I'll get an email and if i don't flag it mm-hmm. you know to like to respond back to it you know mm-hmm. so it, it's on me also it's yeah uh, trust me i'm That's definitely exactly not right. perfect yeah. Um, so I've done the same thing, or maybe I'm at practice and like, you know, somebody sends an email and you click it real quick, you know, and then you look at it. And then like, once again, if I don't flag it then I'm probably, you know, it's onto the next, that's just, yeah. you know, how we get, we get 30, 40, 50 emails a day sometimes. So.
1: Yeah. But, and here's where I'm going to, um. Encourage you and there really this is encouragement for every coach and, and especially maybe coaches who are in, on Twitter and other social medias because I know we get a lot of random DMs, whether it's uh, you know, it's a kid who says, uh, hey coach Walls, love your university. I would love to go to school in New York. Uh, what's your scholarship rate? And you're like, Bro, I'm I'm in Kentucky. Like what what are you doing? Yeah. I, I haven't coached in 17 years. You know, 2005 was my last season. So, you know, kids that are going for scholarships now weren't even born <laughs> last time I coached, right? And I still get DMs. Hey, coach, would lo- love your university. Would love to talk more about a scholarship. And I'm like, what university? Because I'm not attached to any of you. Like, what are you talking about? But I still respond. I tell I, every one of them. I say, hey, I love your hustle. Like, I love that you're doing this. This is to me the same as, uh, you know, your story of emailing 300 people. We've had coaches on here who have, you know, wrote uh, 400 letters for a job back in the day, things like that. I love that. So to me, this is the exact same thing. They're on DM. They could be playing a video game, out playing ball, whatever. But instead, they're they're on the thing that we all have and is our, you know, lifeblood, our cell phones, and they're DMing. Hey, you know, love to learn more. Want to learn more. They're hustling. I love that. So I always tell them, love your hustle. Just do like a half a second more research. Like, like just yeah. look at look at my bio. My bio literally says that I work for Gill Athletics. So you, you know, and, and I guess maybe you think that's a school guilt, you know, like uh midway athletic. Uh, yeah, like midway athletics, but you know, again, just do a little research and you know, I'd be feel much better for me. <laughs> so Jay, we left all of that off at you or three months as the unofficial mm-hmm. interim head coach of Austin P recruiting. Did you, uh, did you get the head job? Did you apply for the head job? Did you get the head job or who else came in? What happened after that three months of uh, immersive recruiting?
2: No, I did not apply for it. Cause like I said, I was just, I was like, whoa, I was like, I don't, that that's too much. Um, so they were in the search
1: process and they ended up hiring uh, Doug Molnar. Do you know Doug? I know that name. He was there. F- no, I know Jeff. I'm, I'm getting a different name mixed up. I, I know the name. Tell me more. Oh, Doug. Doug, uh, he would worked at um, let's see, UT Knoxville. He was
2: there, um, I believe. He was at Kent State, and before yeah. he came to Austin P, he was at uh, I don't even. I think it's renamed now. I think it's UT Rio Grande Valley, but it was a UT Pan American, mm-hmm. I believe, mm-hmm. is is where he came to yeah. Austin P from. Mm-hmm. So he was another distance coach, uh, and so he came in and and he kept me on for that first semester. And then I believe, I believe I got in my own head. And so I was like, Oh my gosh, he's a distance coach. He's not going to need me, you know, even though he kept me on that first semester. And so then I, you know, after that semester was over with, you know, I just, I don't know, I just kind of lost contact and I wasn't going in the office anymore. And I was just like, my days are numbered. And I think I just, you know, manifested this in my own head. Yeah. And um I was like, he's going to need a sprint coach. You know, he doesn't need me. And, and so then I ended up just, I didn't go back and I ended up just moving back home uh, to Louisville uh, and started coaching at the high school level. Tell so me more, course,
1: you know, Jay, one of the things, there's two main reasons why we started this podcast. One was to uplift and honor your journey, which I love it. And hopefully uh, listeners and you, Jay, are uh, are seeing that that's one of the goals that we're accomplishing here. The other goal was to bring value to other coaches. You know, we have a, I mean, it's still so humbling, uh, a very, very, very large listenership. So I'm always cognizant of, uh, you know, the vast majority are are coaches, um, a small minority are athletes, and then we have some, you know, just fans of track. Uh, So I'm always keen on how can we bring more value to our listeners, our our coaches that are listening. I I think, and I appreciate you being open and vulnerable by saying that. I, I wonder, I think that might be something that we go through, often that we don't talk about very much. Mm-hmm. You, you talked about, um, and you, it, it may be circling all around lack of communication. Cause you know, if you'd maybe had more talks with him and maybe you did, I don't know, let, let's learn a little bit more here, but can you walk us through a little bit more about that time frame for you and that mindset that you were in and how, how that, um, you know, the good thing is it all ended up with a good new, you know, you're here today, you know, it's, it's all very, very good. Uh, but that doesn't seem like that would have been a very, uh, joyous time for you.
2: No, and it, like I said, it was all my fault. Um, no, because actually in that first semester, you know, was amazing. I loved working with Doug. He's a great coach. Yeah. Um, you know, and like I said, we brought that recruiting class in and, and, you know, training changed. So I got to see a whole nother type of training as well, too, which was good for me and my growth as a coach. Um, and so it, it was a great, great semester and I loved it. And I also I was kind of also just battling my own demons as mm. well, too. You know, so that's what I'm saying. It was all one me. Um, I mean, who knows what could have happened if, like you said, if I would have communicated more and just been straight up and been like, you know, are you bringing me back in the spring for track, Yeah, you know, um, because he would have talked to me, you know, so that's what I'm saying. It was all my own fault all my own fault. What, what do um, you think
1: kept you from having that conversation? Like, I I would have thought you would have told me, you know, the time that you were together, the two to two and a half, three months of cross country season, like, oh, yeah, we didn't get along. I didn't no. like this training. It sounds like it was going really, really well. What do you think, uh, you know, because what you have today that you didn't have then is perspective, you know, we, mm-hmm. 2020 hindsight, right? So you, now you can look back and be like, okay, I'm X years old today. I was 20. I mean, this is your first year. Out, so you're 22 ish, three ish at this point. That's still an extremely young person, so you, oh no, no, yeah. Back then, <laughs> you have you have the ability <laughs> yeah. to like kind of maybe have a better understanding of what you're going through. What do you think kept you from going into Doug's office one day and you're like, "Hey, man, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm really concerned. You're you're just gonna get rid of me because you're a distance coach. You don't need me." But you didn't have that conversation. What do you think kept you from doing that?
2: You know, like I said, I think a lot of that was me because I was battling some other things mm-hmm. in my life as well too. Um. So, I think for me it was almost like I I needed a, a geographical cure, so to say, you know. So, to I for do. me just to kind of I needed to get mm-hmm. get back home. You yep. know, I guess if I can put it, you know, um, yeah. like that. You know, and then also that's all I'd known. I was like, awesome, Pete. We've always had a sprint coach and a distance coach.
1: Right, right. And
2: But like I said, I think a lot of it was more so the stuff that I was battling yeah. you know, in, my own, in my own personal life and stuff like that, you know. And so I was just kind of like the easiest thing for me to be, which, you know, like you said, now that I'm older in perspective, would be just to run away.
1: Right, if yeah. I, no, I'm being
2: completely honest. I it get it. For me to run away and just avoid, you yeah. know, that conversation, you yep. know. and And so I guess it was also just – if that was what was gonna happen, I was like, I don't wanna hear that, you know? Like yeah. I don't want so just kind of running away more so, I would say, than than anything.
1: Yeah, it's that that avoidance, right? Like we no one likes to be told no or or uh negative things or hurtful things. And by the way, some a lot of us don't like to give that information either, right? So we avoid the conversation or we avoid the conflict. Um, I think that's very normal. I'm not Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure in the big scheme of things that it's healthy but it certainly oh. is normal um you, you know as you're describing that I'm in my head I'm like oh yeah I remember I did that once oh yeah oh what, no actually more than once did that here too yeah 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 so uh so so I get that and I think it's again extremely even harder when we talk about that you know first year, two, three years of coaching versus, you know, having much more experience now, uh, it's, I think it's harder because we haven't had those experiences. You know, now mm-hmm. you would maybe, you know, if, if that kind of same oh, scenario popped different. up, you'd be like, okay, I've been through this. It did not work out when I avoided it. Let me go quote unquote, rip off the bandaid and either let this coach tell me that he's letting me go uh, or who knows, maybe it'll be good news and I'm being stayed on, you know, who, exactly.
2: Who you yeah. know, exactly. It, it could have been like that. And, yeah. and, and it's so funny because that And, you know, and, and I always look at everything that everything happens for a reason, mm. you know, and like and I've went through everything so I can pass my experiences on to my student athletes. Mm. You know, the thing that I say to them all the time is that I made the mistakes so you don't have to mm. You know like or, you know, or learn from the mistakes that I made. If you listen to me, <laughs> you know, I can help you. Um, but, yeah, so I always try to tell my student athletes, you know, I made the mistakes so you didn't have to because I'm the first person to tell you I'm definitely not perfect. You know, and, and I never claim to be perfect. And kind of going back to what you said earlier about you were like, yeah, you know, I don't, you don't seem the type to think that sh- that you know it all. And I even tell my student athletes, I said, the day that I think I know it all, it's time for me to retire. Yeah, because you can always learn, you can always grow. Because it's not just the science; it's the kids, man. The kids are changing, like you know, just I mean, everything's changing. So, you know, you always got to continue to learn and, and grow in your craft, that's for sure. And and if I ever thought that I knew it all, I'd just walk away.
1: <laughs> I would I love- walk away. I love that statement. I made the mistake so you don't have to, right? So I, I made the, uh, I walk, so you don't have to crawl, you know, that kind of, Oh and I can't remember who it was, but it hit me. Like, I, I I wish it would hit me a little bit harder and I can remember which coach it was on the podcast here, but they talked about how we, you know, as coaches, I think a lot of coaches would have that same let me take a step back there. I think a lot of adults, because I've said this with my kids, like, hey, I've made these mistakes. You just follow the game plan that I'm trying to give you here. Life will be much easier for you than it was for me. Right? And this, okay. and this coach, and gosh, I wish I could remember exactly who it was. Their response was, yeah, but you are who you are because of the mistakes you made. So maybe these young people, they need to make their own mistakes to become the people they're supposed to become. And I was like, oh. Smack because we say it in love and good intentions, right? You're like, man, I don't want you to be hurt. I don't want you to go through pain. I don't want you to go through heartache. So if you'll just listen to me, and, and, and there's a lot of goodness to that. It's like if you just listen to me, you won't have those things in the in the back of your head. You know that's not true because life has its ups and downs. So you'll maybe oh, yeah. maybe you're really saying, like, hey, if you'll just listen to me, you'll have less. <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah, exactly. You know, because and that's something else I always tell them. I say it's, it's not a mistake unless you learn from it you know, because I mean, everybody makes mistakes. Like I tell them, I say, I'm not perfect. I still make mistakes this day. And, and yeah. every day I make mistakes. Right. Um. And so I tell them, you know, it's not a mistake unless we learn from it. And that's also what I, I talk about with them also is that that's just life, man. Like, yeah. you know, like you said, you're going to have ups, you're going to have downs. And it's when you get knocked down, it's like, how are you going to pick yourself back up? That's what's important. Life you know, if is somebody skirts through life and doesn't have any of that, then i no one, I don't, I don't no one, exactly. No
1: one, life is messy. Absolutely. The other aspect I like of that story here is you, uh, we're about to move on and jump to Louisville. Uh, is you know, we look back at these forks in the road of these decisions we make and, and don't make, right? And a lot of times it's easy for us to look back now that we have this perspective and think about all the positives that could have been. You know, if you think about like the uh, the multiverse with like Marvel, right? We think about oh man. <laughs> If I would have, in this example here, Jay, if I would have talked to Doug, maybe he kept me on and maybe, you know, gosh, maybe that would have led to a head coaching job here. And then maybe I'd be here and maybe I'd be here and, you know, I'd be making a million dollars and yada, yada. It's nice to think that way. And that's possible. That is maybe one multiverse string that could have gone that way unfortunately the opposite could have happened as well. Like, Oh man, mm-hmm. if I had to talked to Doug, Oh yeah, he would have fired me on the spot. And you know what? Uh, maybe yeah, that would have blackballed me from another coaching job. And now I would have been, you know, uh, back to being a teacher without coaching and that I wouldn't be happy and, you know, a lot of other bad spiraling things. So it, it's, we, we can't always think of the good things we missed out. Sometimes we have to think and know, not just think we have to know, Oh man, I dodged the bullet. Like, holy cow, thank goodness I didn't do this decision instead of this one, because I could have been in a way worse situation than I am now, especially if you're in a good situation today. It's like, oh, exactly. all that led to where I am today. And I'm very happy with where we're at today, you know. So and it was
2: part uh, of my journey and it
1: was part exactly. of my growth. It
2: helped me grow. You know, I learned from it, you know. So that's that's the important thing. If you would have talked to Doug,
1: maybe you'd never be on the podcast exactly never <laughs> can tell you know honest
2: Had to get my own affairs straight before I could do
1: anything. Exactly. All right. So you, uh, what did you, I love how you put it earlier. What did you say? You needed a location. You didn't say a location change. I can't remember what you said. Geographical cure. A geographical cure. That, I love that. That was, I've never heard that before. I love that. As soon as you said it though, I literally in my head was like, oh yeah, I I, I have had this experience. I know exactly what you're talking about here. So you cure yourself. I love this. uh, To Louisville, you go back home. So what did we do there when we went back to Louisville?
2: So I moved back to Louisville and I actually started working at a specialty running shoe store called Swag Sports Shoes. Uh, The owner is Swag Hartel, Irwin Swag Hartel. He ran at uh, Western Kentucky uh, in the early 70s, back when Nick Rose was there. He's from England with Nick Rose, too. Um, He ended up being a a professional runner. He was a great 800-meter guy. I think Swag got down to maybe 147-ish, and he ran in the British Olympic Trials. Wow. Um and then opened up his own uh, running shoe store in Louisville. So I started you know working there um and then started coaching at the high school level. um started coaching at Seneca High School in Louisville. Mm-hmm. and I was there for for about two years and and worked with swag. and i was I was still battling my own demons. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was, I, I just I mean I just I've never really even talked about it before, but you know, I was battling alcohol is what it was is, uh-huh. you know so that's the geographical cure. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. maybe I can get away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I was, uh, haven't had a, you know, an addiction to alcohol. And so mm-hmm. still went through that for years and years and then moved again and moved to Eastern Kentucky with my uh, mother. Cause my grandmother was sick. Um, she had breast cancer. And so, but once again, it was just something in my head to get away. Cause I'm like, oh, you know, I'm falling back in that same trap. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, if I need another geographical cure, it's time to move. Maybe if I move somewhere else, it'll get better, but yeah, no, yeah. it doesn't. It follows you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so then lived there for a while, just I mean, not doing, I'd saved up money and just stayed there and was helping take care of my grandmother. And then she passed away and um was working just like Walmart, you know, I was just working mm-hmm. at Walmart and then also had worked at a hospital. I worked at Big Lots Furniture. But once where, again,
1: where is when you're doing all this and you're obviously going through during this time, things way more important than coaching track and field. But I am curious, where is coaching track and field in your I'm gonna say your heart, like as you're going through this journey. And again, thank you so much for your openness and authenticity. I mean, this when when our guests are open like you are here today, Jay, you're, you're you know your impact on the kids you coach is immense. I mean, it's it's tremendous. They're going on to become mothers, fathers, doctors, teachers, business owners. It's unbelievable the impact that you, Jay Walls, have on young people. When you're open and authentic like this, you're also now helping. I guarantee you there's someone fighting a lot of the similar demons that you fought then and possibly, you know, my understanding is that this, this isn't something that just goes away. So you're still always no. on the fight, right? Uh, there's someone listening right now uh, that is finding some uh, platitude with you. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Like he he came back from this. Like he's now the head coach but like, oh, maybe I can, maybe I can beat this. Maybe I can fight harder against this. So I, I just want to just point blank, stop and just say, thank you for 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 being so open here with us today as you're fighting this and you know unbelievable tragedies you know your grandmother passes away uh you're in a different part of the you're not back home in louisville etc um is coaching even like if you were to list like the top 10 things you were thinking about and concerned about and dreams and things like that is is track coaching even a top 10 or is it out of your mind space at this point
2: be honest in that area where i was at in the the area where I was at personally, it was not even, I mean, it wasn't even, it was an afterthought, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. Um, so I just, I mean, it it was really just about survival at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, like I said, grandma passed away. I ended up getting engaged to a young lady that had cystic fibrosis that was up there and then she ended up passing away. Um, uh, yeah and, and just to let you know this is the first time I have ever like came out publicly and, and spoke about that thank you you know needs to hear that so that's why I was like well let's let's yeah. uh, talk about it thank get you that for out that. There. I'm not trying to sabotage the no the, no you know, podcast with that so. well, what did
1: I what did I tell you before we hit record authenticity over perfection and my friend you are defining the definition of authenticity. And that is so important. I hope hope it is being a little bit helpful for you, but you are a thousand percent helping uh, lots and lots of people who are listening right now. Absolutely, Jay. So thank thank you for being, again, just thank you. I'm I, I so humbled that you would trust me and trust us and our platform here uh, to express this. Oh, yes, sir, of course.
2: Um, so yeah, unfortunately it wasn't. It, like I said, it was about survival. And then um, fiance passed away. And so, you know, so I would go through dry spells and, you know, being sober a little bit and, Mm -hmm. you know, and then after I was actually even put into a a, a mental hospital because when I was trying to, um, drinking, I was, you know, going through DTs and I was seeing things and hearing things. So I got, you know, I had to get put into a mental hospital and, um, but then, so then all that's gone. So then once again, I'm moving back, I'm going back to Louisville again. So I go back to, uh, to Louisville, and I start working at Swags again. Um, I start coaching at my alma mater, Butler High School. Okay, I'm working uh, working there and coaching with my best friend Brandon Lesher. Um, he, me, and him both ran together in high school and graduated together, and and both ran in college. and He's nice. he's still one of my best friends to this day. Awesome. Nice. Um, so we're working together. He brought me on, and he's like, "Hey, come on, man, be my assistant." So, and pretty much he was coaching the guys, and he let me kind of coach the the ladies. Um, so I did that for two years and then he stepped away. And and so then it was just kind of uh, me again. But then those demons reared back mm-hmm. up. Uh, they reared back up. And so I ended up stepping away, um, stepping away from the team so I could, you know, try to better myself and, and mm-hmm. work on myself again. And um, just kind of took a couple years off. And while I was going through recovery on myself out, you know, life out, you know, I, I lived in a uh, recovery house for a year. Um, got a sponsor, worked at 12 steps, you know, AA meetings, you know, five, five days a week, uh, just getting my life back on track and was just working and then, uh, moved out of the recovery house, got my own apartment, you know, again. So that was like big, you know, this is a year into sobriety for me right? and right. got my own apartment. So that was just kind of scary in its own. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be by myself. I could, you know, very easily just slip right. back down that, uh, Avenue, but didn't stay there. Um, And so then still working at Swags. And so while I was taking that time off, I was just reflecting also, I'm like, all right, what do I want to do with my life? Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, let's try to give this college coaching a try again.
1: Uh, Was that because did you like, when you were thinking about like, what are some things I can do? Was it like, where was I the happiest? Was, Was that part of like, you know, when I was coaching track, like, Man, I was really like I was kind of in step with things. I was being good. Uh and you know, life I was self-satisfied. Was that part of that thought process for you?
2: Most definitely, most definitely. And um in AA they say in order to keep it, you gotta give it away. You know, so for me, obviously I ended up being a sponsor also. Um, so I ended up being a sponsor, had a bunch of sponsees, but then I was also like coaching. That's what you do on a daily basis. You know, I was like, so. I really want to try to get back into it. I was like, I want to try to get back into college coaching. Um, and like you said, that's that I was happy. I was happy when I was coaching, when I was in the right state of mind and and you know, and taking care of myself, which wasn't it wasn't a lot when I was coaching, but I remember that that love and that passion that I had as a you know, a sophomore and junior in high school. And I'm reading through all this stuff and and just, you know, truly learning the science. And so I was like, all right, well, if that's what I want to do, I was like, you know, I made my list. Like I said, big list guy. I was like, you know, what do I need to do? I was like, most colleges ask for you. They want you to have a master's degree. So I'm like, all right, so I'm going to start working on my master's. So I went through Concordia university Irvine um, and did their coaching and athletic administration masters, which is a great program. I, but highly, if somebody's looking to, to get a master's, it's all one lie, but it is a great, it's a Christian based. And it, it really taught me a lot also about just the leadership um, you know, leadership of, of being a coach and, and leading young men and women. Um, so did that. And then I was like, all right, well, it's, you know, my volunteer assistant coaches. I was like, so I'll try to, you know, put out some feelers for that and reached out to a couple of coaches. And they were like, no, no, no. And I'm sitting here right in Louisville, you know, right in University of Louisville's backyard. Because I'm like, oh, they would, they would never, you know, take a shot on somebody like me, with you know, hasn't coached in, you know, a couple of years. And, and so I uh, sent uh, Joe Walker an email
1: love um, joe
2: then young joe young joe joe walker an email so i sent him an email i was like hey this, this is who i am you know trying to get back into college coaching and was not even expecting you know an, an even response kind of like we were talking about earlier you know send it out but what, what's the worst that's going to happen they're not going to you know respond right. <laughs> wasn't probably 15 20 minutes he had already replied and I was like oh hey yeah he's like let's meet up for coffee so we met up uh, for coffee at Sister Beans, a little coffee shop in Louisville, right across from Airquid Park area where I grew up, and sit down and just you know talk, you know, uh, a, a little bit. Just it was more so of getting to know each other type mm-hmm. thing, not training philosophies and all that, you know. And and he was like, all right, he's like, yeah, come on. So just ended up spending the uh, so came on as a volunteer assistant. So him, Dale Cowper, um, welcomed me, and they were like, hey, yeah, come on. So uh, and then of course. Daddy Joe. Daddy Joe was there. Brooke, football coach was there. Yeah. Justin Johnson was there. It was a great staff. A, a great, great staff.
1: staff. I agree. I know every single one of them very well. You probably had and all of them on a
2: podcast, I would n- say. Not
1: yet. Uh, you know, it's this kind of like Pokemon. I'm trying to catch them all. Yeah. We'll get everybody, but you know, Dale, I've known since he was an undergrad. He was at Western Mich- Michigan when I coached at Ball State. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Walker family, I've known for a long oh, time. Walker, Walker Jr. was the head coach at uh, Ole Miss when I was at Mississippi yep. State. Brooke has been on the podcast. Justin, now back at uh, Cal State Northridge, is doing a standout job. Uh, I mean, just you're right. It just kind of hit me when you were talking about the staff. I was like, man, that was oh, like top us. to bottom. That was just fantastic people. Yeah. It was, and you nailed know that they were just great people also. Yeah. And now, don't let me
2: forget uh, Taryn Gibson, also Taryn Sheehan. She was the female oh, yes. distance coach there. Right. So Taryn. I'm sorry. Sorry, yep. Taryn, didn't mean to forget you. She was there. <laughs> um, so I just helped uh, walk her with the, the men's distance during crawls. And, yeah. you know, I really didn't do a lot, but I learned a lot, that's for sure, and, and, you know, made some relationships and still keep in touch with a lot of those guys to this day. And, you know, while I was there. Um, we ended up winning the NCAA Southeast region, you know, and qualified for nationals. And the, the guys finished, you know, seventh at nationals. So just an amazing experience, you know, um, just amazing experience and definitely grateful to, to Coach Walker and, yeah. and Coach Cowper. Um, for allowing me to do that, but it was, you
1: know, this makes me think about something, Jay, that we talked about earlier. And I said, uh, we we talked about, you know, maybe as we get older and get a little bit more conservative, that maybe uh, we need to have like a, whether it's a kick in the pants or just some self-awareness, like maybe I just need to ratchet up just a percent or two. I love this You know, you initially told the story of like, I reached out to, uh, you know, several colleges about, you know, coming on and volunteering, but I, you know, I'm not going to message Louisville, they're not going to accept me, but you did it, there was a kick in the pants, there was a, uh, some self awareness of like, okay, well, what's it going to matter, Joe won't respond, but okay, at least say I did it, and look what happened exactly joe, you know earlier all people i love joe joe is i just had a great conversation with him uh, down at nationals i love he's one of my favorite people in the whole world and and he's coached some of my favorite people in the whole world he's a phenomenal phenomenal person and coach um but i love that you you took the the one percent extra chance you know and it's like well you know what why not i don't know let's see what happens and look what happened man that is so stinking cool
2: Oh, it was. It was an amazing experience. I mean, like I said, just such great people, great coaches. Um, it's definitely something that's, I mean, obviously it's helped me get to where I am today, but it's just definitely an experience that I'll never, uh, never, ever forget. So it was, it was truly amazing. I'm definitely grateful for that opportunity.
1: I'm so proud you took the chance. I mean, honestly, there's a lot of people that won't take the chance. I'm not worthy. Why would they? Um, uh, I'm not good enough. I mean we and these are voices that are in our heads. And if you really, are honest with yourself it's every one of us at some point in time for some certain subject whether it's uh the job that we we're not air quotes good enough um the uh the 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 potential spouse of like i can't talk to him or her come on that's they're out of my league right that's you know you hear that um so i'm really proud of you of just like just stepping out and and really Putting yourself out there for rejection, you know, not hear, not hearing a response is rejection. Sorry, uh, everybody. Uh, but to be but be, but I think to have a more successful, fulfilling life, you've got to be OK with hearing rejection. Because you've got to go. Now. through. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you're you're definitely the living embodiment of that, my friend, uh, because that's where the acceptance comes from. You eventually will get to acceptance. But if you go through blah land of never even asking the question, well, golly, that seems like the world's worst place to be. Like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't mind hearing no. That's actually like, you know, being in the sales world. Yes is my favorite answer, right? Yeah. Hey, 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 Jay, you going to buy this? Yes. Awesome. That's great. I love that. Uh, I No is my second favorite answer, honestly. And, is, and, and I bet you, if we put this back in a recruiting world, you'll maybe agree with me. Obviously, yes is your favorite answer when you're recruiting. Yes, I'm going to come to Midway. Love it. Awesome. That's why I'm recruiting you. Uh, uh, hey, coach, I'm not coming to Midway. Uh, I'm going to go to some other school. Hey, that's awesome, man. Good luck to you thanks for not stringing me along or hey, exactly. Thanks for not, you know, you, you, in your head, you told me no six weeks ago, but uh, I've, I've called you and I've done a home visit and I've sent you mail. It's like, I, you know, I could have been doing other things those six weeks and they do it out of a, out of a, a stance of, co- so coaches when they're not telling me yes or no, or recruits when they're not telling you yes or no, they're doing it. I truly think from a stance of like, Oh, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Oh yeah. I don't sure. want to tell, I totally get it. No, no one wants to tell this face. No, I get it. <laughs> I get it. But trust me, I have so much more love and respect for you when you tell me no when it's an actual no uh, so that we can all move on. We can go do other great things. And by the way, that doesn't mean uh, we're not going to do business later on. And by the way, that doesn't mean that recruit's not going to come back to you one day or that recruit's going to go tell a teammate, and go, hey, man, yeah, I'm not going to Midway, but I really did like that guy. And his response when I told him no was like, he made me feel so good. And you get that kid or another kid. So, um, oh, yes, that's yeah. something
2: else that I've learned in recruiting is I don't ever close a door. Never. You know, if they decide they're going somewhere else. I say we I, I hate to hear that. Yeah, cannot speak. I hate to hear that, but I, you know, wish you the best of luck. If you get there and you're not happy, or if your mind changes, please let me know. Hey, <laughs> simple missed, as that.
1: <laughs> especially in today's world, that was important in 1990 and 1950 as well. But let me tell you what: in 2023 and 2024, ooh, if you're shutting doors, I don't. I'm not sure how you can be successful. I, I'm not. I, I'm really not. I'm not sure how you can be uh, as, as the highest level that you think you want to be. If that's your your posture, I really don't. I really don't. Okay, so you're at Louisville with Joe the Third. Love it. Dale, awesome. Great, great people. Uh, you have a good year. You guys win the South Central, Southeastern, South Central, right? Uh cross country. South, Eastern. South e- Southeastern? Eastern, right. mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Southeastern, uh, cross country. Where do we go from there? So then I'm like, all right, so now it's you know,
2: I've got my life together. Everything's going well. So I'm like, all right, well, now it's all about progression. You know, it's like I teach with my kids all the time. Like, I'm a big allen progression. And so now I'm like, all right, what's the next step? So, you know, and then, of course, I let Joe know. I was like, I'm looking for jobs, you know, trying to, you know, may I use you for reference, you know, all that. And so then I'll start putting out, you know, applications and, and sending out resumes and um, there's an assistant coaching position, part-time assistant coaching position up at uh, Point Park University. up in uh, Pittsburgh Pennsylvania
1: uh Kelly Parsley was the head coach there now that's a you talk about geographic changes (laughs) and cures now that's way different than Louisville and eastern Kentucky and Austin P. you know that's we're way out of the the zone now yes sir correct but
2: it was all about trying to move up that ladder for me Mm -hmm. um and you're right we moved there not knowing anybody uh so okay, let's fast forward. Let's, let's go backwards. Okay. Um. So then Kelly reaches out to me and was like, "Hey, you know, he's like, um, you know, interested in you." And so we talked on the phone for probably like an hour. And he's like, "Well, I'd like to bring you up to Pittsburgh and you know, put you up and show you around." And so and he brought my wife. Well, she wasn't my wife then, but Shannon, um, uh, my my girlfriend at the time. Okay. Um. <laughs> he brought her up there with us too and showed us around the town and you know took us out to eat and the campus and and met a couple of the kids and. I mean, I had a great visit, and so then we left, and then I think maybe two days later, you know, he called and and offered me the position. So, um, so I took it, and like I said, Shannon was my girlfriend at the time. It was only a year, but she was crazy enough to say, "If you're going, I'm going." So I was like, "All wow, right."
1: Wow, Shannon. Exactly, which
2: I wasn't yeah. expecting,
1: and uh, so. She but, did. But she she at least knew what was going on. This wasn't like, you know, you uh, said, Hey, Shannon, I know we've been dating for a year. I'm going to be gone for the weekend. I'll be back. And you go and go to Point Park and, and come back and be like, Hey, I'm moving to. But like, she went, like, she.
2: Yeah, she went you know, with She me. was on the all job area. interview with you. So
1: it was like, All right, he's, you know, he's at least got a shot. So that means I need to consider if I'm moving or not, basically, at that exactly. point. Exactly. But the difficult thing was that
2: she has four kids. Yeah. So that's where it was, I was like, this isn't, you know, and so she made a very difficult decision with us yeah. dating for a year to leave her kids here because they're they're in a traditional school program in Louisville. And and, you know, so so she left and, and went with me and they stayed here with their father, um, who they had joint custody. So they were always, you know. Um, but they stayed here with their father and we went up there, you know, six hours away. So it ended up being one of the toughest years you of know of her life.
1: I was thinking as you were saying that, I was like. You want to know the definition of trust?
2: That's what I'm saying. She's a rocker dog, that's for sure.
1: Wow, yeah, Shannon. Mm Because I I know Shannon's listening, I know you're gonna listen to this. Uh, (laughs) you just like, I'm gonna go talk to my wife about trust because I thought my wife trusted me, but I don't know if she would ever make this kind of decision. Shannon, bravo. What you obviously, you know, you know what she kind of did. You know what, the superpower of a coach to me is that you as a coach can see something in a young person athletically before they can see it in themselves. Mm -hmm. I think Shannon superpowered you. I think she was like, oh no, I see this in Jay. Jay's going to be a great partner for me and my children. Uh, And maybe at that point you didn't see, because you were still just dating, you know, you weren't engaged or whatever. Uh, I think she saw something in you before you could actually see it. And she was like, all right, well, part of the, part of that factor is going to be that I'm going to have to to trust. And I'm going to have to move to friggin' Pittsburgh. It's cold up there, by the way, uh, yes, to, it was. to go <laughs> up there. So bravo, Shannon. And man, Jay, you obviously are someone that can be trusted, my friend, because that is not an e- easy decision for a mom to make. Wow. No,
2: not at all. And that's, and I told her, I said, you know, this is going to cause some issues, which it did. Um, And that's why I was just, I, to be honest, I was kind of worried about it and, you know, I wouldn't say against it, but because I mean, obviously, you know, I loved her, and you know, I would love to have her with me, but I just, I could see a lot of, of what would happen you know in the sure. future and of, of course it did and so it was a very you know tough I said year earlier but a tough two year almost two years and so I stayed up there for you know a year and a half great experience you know Pittsburgh is amazing great food up there great food oh, yeah. up there oh yeah um park systems are amazing the crushed limestone trails are everywhere um working with Kelly you know it was a great experience um a tremendous recruiter you know so I got you know to learn more about recruiting and um you know, when we were there, we won a couple conference championships, uh just, you know, created those relationships with those kids again, which is always the hardest part, mm-hmm. hardest part when you leave. But once again, it came time for me to be like, all right, you know, it's time to take that next step. What's next? Yep. Exactly. So spent there. And then told Kelly, of course, you know, and so I'm not ever trying to blindside anybody, but, you know, it's like we're trying to, you know, progress the career here and mm-hmm. the job here, of course, and this is putting out, I mean, you know how it is as a coach. I mean, I'm putting out probably – hundred applications that's mm-hmm. so once again like going back to when i said when i was younger and i was so young uh young and naive i don't know how hard it was to get to get into college coaching right. so then i'm going through this process and i'm just like then it's you know i'm getting back to well you know i don't know if this is ever going to happen you know so then you go back to the way it used to be it's like uh well you know it's like 100 you know 100 emails 100 applications yeah. Sorry, all right we're going a different route or you know you get a phone interview and then it's like, no. And I'm just like, you know, I, maybe it's not meant to be. I was like, maybe I didn't go back to selling shoes. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but you know, it's just perseverance. And Shannon was a huge part of that. Like, mm. she was like, you can't give up, you know, cause she, she knows how passionate I am about it. And I think that's one of the reasons when she went to Pittsburgh is like, cause she sees how passionate I am about it, how much I truly enjoy and truly, mm. you know, love these sports and also these kids that are in our program. Um, and so she was just so supportive like you can't stop you just got to keep doing it keep doing it and so then the midway was was starting their ladies track and field program uh because a little history about midway is we were an all-female school up until 2016 Uh, all-female school up until 2016 and they had a cross-country and track and field program that started i think in the late 90s um and they had some success they were you know a couple conference titles in cross-country they had you know couple national qualifiers at Lisa Warren in the 800 and um and, you know so they had some 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 good success but after that coaching staff left gene weiss and and uh, david longhorn left um the, the programs kind of fell by the wayside and to where i think 2013 might have been the last year that they they mm. even attended a conference and i think they only had like six ladies that might have mm-hmm. been from conference so from like 2000 and like maybe seven or so to like 2013 there just wasn't much of a program but they decided that they wanted to you know restart the program and you know go 100 percent fully funded and so they were trying to bring in a coach to start the programs and uh so i applied for it and did the phone interview with rusty and um came down here and did the the campus interview and you know the one thing about point park and up there in pittsburgh is Point Park was literally in the middle of downtown Pittsburgh, mm. so you know it's nothing but concrete. You no, know, and I remember coming here and walking on campus as soon as we came on. Because of course Shannon came down with me, and I walked on campus and I was like, "Oh, they have grass, they have trees." You know, I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" I'm Things back home. are
1: green here. <laughs>
2: exactly. I was like, "And this is December. This is December." But I'm like, just so excited. And then also just coming back home was a huge, you know, draw for us sure. to get her back here. You know, cause she sacrificed so much for me. So it's my turn yes, you know, to get her back here to her, her, um, her children and her family. Um, so then did the interview process on here. And Rusty was like, listen, he's like, I'm not I'm not going to lie to you. He's like, you're the only one we brought the campus. He's like, you're who we want. And. So I was like, okay. And, you know, of course, you know, I had to play the little, not hard to get, but, you know, like, all right, well, let me think on it, you know, type thing. And which in my heart, I'm like, all right, let's go, let's do it. You know, I wanted to say yes, right there. You're like, let um, me think
1: about it as I'm designing my business card.
2: Exactly. <laughs> um. So we drove back home and talked to Shannon about it. Of course, Shannon was just like, like, please, you know, because like she you know, was definitely ready to get back home to her sure. kids. Um, so I called him and said, let's do it. And so that was January of 2018. Um, so it came down and, you know, so eighteen nineteen it was our first full season. So from January to, you know, June is I'm trying to put together a team cause we had nobody.
1: It sounds like in my head, I have like this, go back to that summer of you back at Austin P like, you're just like, all right, I got, let's make a list. All right, we get we need a team. Let me make a list and let's start calling. <laughs> And
2: we, our house was in lease up until like February in Pittsburgh. So I was doing most of the, the work for the first two months up in Pittsburgh, which is, mm-hmm. you know, when you're starting a program, it's just making those connections, getting right. on the phone, emails, and just, right. you know, recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. Cause that's right. all, that's all that needed to be done at the time. Right. And so, you know, did that all the way up until, uh, you know, June, July, until we got our first recruiting class of, of just track and field uh, student athletes. Cause they had a cross country team that was here. There was already a cross country coach at the time so okay, yeah. like I was just in charge of the track and field program and so recruited that and wow. and I was the only coach that first year I was the only coach on staff you know because even I... the cross-country coach when it was over all the distance kids came to me and it was just me and now it wasn't a big class we had I think we had twelve, twelve 12 ladies that I recruited for just the track and field events and then I think we had maybe eight ladies on the distance side
1: what happened to the cross-country coach well because what I'm thinking about is like you're now in Dave, uh, Dave's spot. Here's this cross-country coach who has been at the program, and now here comes this distance coach who's over the track program. It you was see- Rob
2: Lyons. It was, it was the, the cross-country coach here. Because, uh, like I said, they just had cross-country. So I yeah. was just coming in to start track. Yeah. and when I sat down at the interview with the athletic director and that's one thing I'll say is everything that he said when we sat down came to fruition, like there was nothing that he said that didn't happen. He was like this first year we're starting women's track and field. The plan is the next year to start men's track and field. Hmm. Um, so that's what we did. So when they, the, the following year, cause my, when I first came down here too, as a head coach, I was only part-time. Hmm. So I was only part-time coach. Uh, so, and then the next year he's like, well, that's when we're going to create a full-time position. So I applied for it. Rob didn't. Um, and so then when we had both programs so then i was the only full-time coach and i ended up having a very small stipend for assistant coaches Mm -hmm. that second year when we had men and women and so then we had a program of like 50 uh 50 or so uh so then i had a very small stipend to to pay assistant coaches so it's like three to six thousand dollars you know per assistant coach which as you know it's nothing yeah um and so You know, the coaches that we hired and brought in, I was like, listen, the only thing I ask of you is just practice, just come to practice, you know, work with the kids and and come to meets, you know. So for the first five years, I did all the, you know, the recruiting and just all the obviously administration duties and all that. And so and because this is my fifth year and finally this uh, January well, December we hired another full-time coach, a track coach. So I'm stepping aside from the head track and field coach just to be head cross country and assistant track and field coach. And he's coming in as the head track and field coach. And you might know him also. He's a, he's a throws, throws coach, you know, Dwayne Morris. Of course. Yeah. So that's, that's who we hired. So he's the track and field coach here now. So he's taking over the reins and it has been such a, such a pleasure and just a welcome addition, just with recruiting alone, as you know, it's just such a, And I'm not complaining because I love it and I enjoy it. Yeah. You know, that's obviously the lifeblood of your program. And when you have just one person just trying to recruit every event, you know? So, yeah. So he's been a huge help, you know, great addition. He's, you know, brought in some people already. And so super excited just to, you know, two people, you know, here and, you know, we still have our assistant coaches, you know, the stipend that we have for that. And so that's just the, the The first step, and now we have broke ground on building a track on campus. You know, so we're excited about that as well, too. So going so back to that,
1: put, sorry, put, go ahead. Put, no, that's okay. Put a pin in that because we. Uh, that's how I like to wrap things up with, like, what's got you excited? And I know a new facility oh. and Dwayne and everything is definitely got you excited. And I do know Dwayne, great guy. You said something though there. I don't want to just gloss over, because I think it might. It has to say something about you in a positive manner. So you've been the head coach there for five years, busting your hump. I mean, y- you know, being the primary, the only full-time coach, the recruiting, plus the coaching, plus the admin. Uh, and and we can never forget when we talk about coaches, I like to always make sure I throw in there uh, that, you know, you have a family and a personal life and charities and passions. Uh, we, we tend to think like, oh, well, coaching's 24-7, like, You know, there's nothing, you know, you don't do anything else. And like, well, that's not true at all. (laughs) Like, you you know, there are other things besides coaching is your job, not your life. Your life is your life. And so you're doing all those things and you're the head honcho. You're the head coach. You know, that's a great resume builder. Uh, It's a very great ego builder. You know, it's nice to say you're the head coach and things like that. And that's an important title. No, no, no uh, doubt about it. And you said, you know, they, they hired Dwayne now and uh, you've taken a step back. You're going to be the head cross country and assistant track and Dwayne will oversee track as the head coach. And you just said it and just moved right along, Jay. That's not unique. And what I mean by that is you, um, ego is not bad. Bad ego is bad. And not only do we get very wrapped up in the title of coach, we certainly get wrapped up and sometimes in the title of head coach, I'm the head honcho. The buck stops with me. I, You know, it all comes through me, blah, 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 blah. And you're now giving up some of that power, if you will, air quotes there under power uh, to Dwayne. And it sounds like it's going well. And I hope it is. And I'm, and I think it is. And that's where I think it says a lot about you. You know, I don't know how many people could just do that. Like, could, you know, it's like, oh yeah, no, you can hire Dwayne as an assistant, Like I'm still going to be the head coach though, right? Like Dwayne will report to me and, you know, we'll, and together we'll attack this, but instead you're, and I don't know why the decision, maybe you can share why the decision was to split it up that way, but it seems like you were like, yeah, yeah, this might be what's best for the program. So, okay, I'll fall in line. This is what's right. Then this is what's right. And I'll do it.
2: Well, ultimately Rusty was the athletic director at the time, pretty much left it up, up to me. And so my philosophy was like two heads are obviously better than one you know, so to say, I guess, figuratively, but so I, you know, cause it, I could have very well just say, I'll just be the director and we'll hire him as, you know, assistant coach. But, but I didn't want that, you know, I wanted to get another full-time head track and field coach in here. Somebody that, cause that's the only thing that has bugged me since I've been here is that being the head, you know, cross-country coach, and then also the head track and field coach, and then your coaches are only part-time. So they have full-time jobs and, so like when in the fall when I'm with the cross country team, you know our assistant coaches did. They came in and they you know they worked out during. We started in September with the kids, but I it feel I still felt like they weren't getting maybe exactly what they needed. You know, and I hate even having to say that. But, you know, I feel like they might have been getting the, you know, the slide into the stick. Well, and- you,
1: you were doing, we can't, we can't, we can't forget this part in, in this specific example, but in a lot of other examples, you were doing the best you can. It ain't like you were holding back resources. You're like, you know what, I know I got a full-time uh, position, but, you know, what? instead I'm just going to hire a couple of uh, volunteer, 3,000, you know, part-time coaches. So we, we can't. You you can't have that. I know you wanted better for the kids mm-hmm. and and for the program, but we can't have that as like uh, as a, like a stopping block of like oh you know I felt bad. You you were doing the best you could. You know we 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 all have our things. I mean from midway to. Oregon, even Oregon, believe it or not, has issues. They have their oh, own yeah. things that they have to, to overcome. Um, so d- there's no feeling bad there. You were doing a great job and doing the very best you could with the resources that you had at hand. So I just want to point that out because I think we- Oh, definitely. Well, our
2: assistant coaches were doing an amazing job too. Like I said, because right. they were working absolutely jobs as well. Um, so, you know, I can't commend them, you know, enough, especially for what we were paying them. Um, you know, they stepped in and did a, a great job. But I think it's just having somebody here that's going to be here full time, also. Like, you know, absolutely. When I'm with the cross country team, and if I'm we're at practice at, you know, three o'clock, but I have, you know, a sprinter that needs, you know, they oh, yeah. need somebody to talk to, or they need, you know, like at least now Dwayne can be here, you know, so yeah. they'll have somebody to go to because we travel off campus a lot because I'm a big soft surface guy. So we're going to all these beautiful parks we have close to us to right. train. So, and like now, at least there will always be somebody here. So yeah. that's just, I just, ecstatic to be
1: honest kudos kudos to you and even bigger kudos that it was your decision that you could have gone a different route with it because again i don't know i think if we if we as coaches were to really look inside and we have that decision in front of us how many would say you know what i think what's best for the program is to give that person the head head track job let me focus on the cross country and distance and let's move together as one uh versus like no no i'm the head coach like everybody can fall in behind me type of thing. You know, I, I'm not sure how many of us would have made that decision, uh, even to the detriment of our program. So I, I just, that's why I didn't want to just, gloss. you just, you said it and moved right on. I was like, hold on, man, this ain't normal. Let's <laughs> talk about this. So uh, I, I just think it says a lot about you and and your uh, care and love for the program. And obviously for the athletes that are, that make up that program.
2: Oh, we got a great group of young men and women here. That's for sure. And assistant coaches and, and awesome. then now Dwayne. So definitely blessed. That's for sure.
1: Well, as we wrap up here, we're hitting close to our time, Jay. Uh, it's my favorite question because you get to brag a little bit, and you've been doing a great job of it, and I love that. Uh, as you look towards 2024 season, obviously you have 23 cross country as well, and the next one, three, five years, what's what's got you excited there at the, uh, the Midway Eagles?
2: I'll tell you what, I'm just excited about, you know, all the new faces that we've got coming in. You know, starting off, um, it's always – like I said, having Dwayne here is help. So now we got two people battling this recruiting thing. So, you know, so now we're hopefully going to be up to, you know, around 60 or over 65, somewhere around there, as far as our student athletes. And we're just a little, we're a little small school with an enrollment of like 700 kids, you know, so we're a very
1: small school, seven, 750. No way. So almost 10% of on campus is running track cross country there at Midway. Yes, sir. That's awesome. Love it.
2: Um, but then also as i mentioned earlier you know we're out there building a new track right now so that is in the process and that's going back to that interview with rusty the phone interview obviously i had my own questions for him um and one of my questions i had was are there any plans to to build a track on campus you know in the near future before i could even finish this sentence he was like no <laughs> so um you know five years later you know here we are um you know building a track on campus and you know, I definitely think it's it's a testament to, to the kids that we have in our program because we have kids that are very active, you know, on on campus and our community and our board of, of, of directors sees that. And they notice that um, and that just the success, the few successes that we have had, you know, as a program, you know, that's it's definitely it's been noticed. And, you know, and I think that they're like, hey, you know, let's let's. You know, they're doing this and they're doing this with these limited resources. So let's see, you know, Hmm. if we do this, you know, let's see what else can happen. So, so yeah, it's just, it's an exciting, exciting uh, year. Just, I mean, not only for Midway athletics, but our university, we're growing, you know, and um, I'm sitting right now, my office is in a field house, which is maybe two years old. Uh, so we've got a you know at an athletic field house, and add an additional twenty thousand extra you know square feet of athletic space, a second auxiliary gym, uh, a new weight room, a bunch of coaches' offices, uh, <laughs> you yeah, know, meeting room, laundry facility. So you know it's when I a lot has changed from when I first got here. I, oh, let me this you'll get a kick out of this, Mike. My first year here, um, when it was just me with the track team, um, I would take our ladies. We had this building that was it's the president's building now and so now it's been completely remodeled and it's now it's our admissions welcome center and it's hr and all these other but down in the basement it was just a bunch of empty classrooms in a straight hallway so that was a place that i could take our ladies and we had a spot of our own it was nothing fancy it was a hallway that were, and i could even the classrooms was a straight straight um straight away and it was it was through a door but it was a wider door so we could get like the first two hurdles to work on um and then there were some stairs on the opposite side that we could because there was just the building was pretty much i'm uh, not abandoned but there just wasn't a lot going on there <laughs> and so we would do stairs in there it was just but it was a place that we had that was our own yeah you know? like we could get away that we didn't have to reserve or, or fight for the weight room or or something like that you know and so and, and i was actually doing my visit uh campus visit yesterday and and I walked down and showed him that because it's kind of like sentimental. I know it for sounds like, sure. um, but now it's like HR and business offices are all down there. And, and I was like, yeah, I was like, just a fun fact for y'all. I was like, this is where we used to practice my first year, you know? So it's just, then just looking back and just seeing how far and, you know, mm-hmm. the program and just not the program, but the school and the universities came. It's, it's, it's amazing. We're growing. Um, and like I said, we have a lot of land. It's a beautiful campus. And I encourage, you know, anybody just, you know, look yeah. us up, you know, midway.edu, take the virtual tour. It's, it's a yeah. beautiful campus
1: our CEO, David Hodge, who was a you know all-American pole vaulter in his own right, he was a great athlete. He's the greatest leader I've ever worked for, he has a saying that I heard on, I think on the very first day I got here 17 years ago, and it's repeated quite often, healthy things grow. If you think about that, when you think of plants or people or businesses, healthy things grow. So we love hearing of programs, universities that are growing, because that means Some healthy things are going on there, right? So your program, your roster is growing. um, Your coaching staff is growing. The university is growing. You're getting, you talked about that old, I'm gonna call it the abandoned uh, building that you, you know, at least a place to call your own. Well, now you're building a real palace to call your own right there on campus. So uh, that just is so awesome to hear, man. Healthy things grow. And it sounds like things are very healthy right now at Midway, track and field, cross country.
2: Oh yes, sir. We have a great president, a great president who backs, you know, athletics. Um, very, very supportive of athletics. We're definitely blessed for that as well, too. He's a he's a great man, and he's he's turned this university around. I mean, I'm a pretty honest person, and sometimes honest to a fault. Like when he first got here, this place was in bad shape. They were probably on on the verge of of shutting down, you know. So. He's completely turned it around, you know, and we're growing and everything's headed in the right direction. And it's just, it's an exciting time to, to be an Eagle and a, you know, a Midway University student athlete.
1: Oh, man, I love it. I love hearing it. And Jay, I love you, man. I'm just so love too, Mike. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. I mean, you know, to fight and continue to fight today with the things that you fight personally, and then also the things you fight for professionally, um, it's not easy you know and we all have we all have our, our 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 hills to climb our battles to fight and things like that uh but you know some of the battles that you were just so open and authentic with us today um those are hard ones and they you know they're not they're not one time events they're you know every day you wake up i know you you uh you have to fight and have the resolve to be uh the man that you want to be the coach that you want to be the husband you want to be the dad that you want to be the son you want to be uh that it's a constant every ticking of that clock. and so you know for you to sit here today uh, as a leader of the Midway University Eagles, uh, a leader in our sport, a leader in your family. Um, I'm just so proud of you, man. I mean there there are as you were telling your story, know, I I try to put myself in other people's shoes. I try, like, when you're telling a story, I I, like I'm more of a a visual guy, so the movie is running through my head, like, like the hallway. I'm literally like picturing the hallway, and I've got my (laughs) own ideas of where you know we're putting the hurdles and how how dim or how bright the lights were. You know, I'm just playing that movie. And as you were sharing your fantastic journey, you warned me, by the way, well before we hit record today, Jay says, "Well, uh, I'm have got a pretty untraditional path," and I was like, "Well, everybody does." Yeah, Yeah, we have not we have not had this. Every, you know, 200 some something coaches, they've all had their own paths. The, Jay, you had your own path for sure on this one, buddy. Um, but as you're sharing your absolutely fantastic journey, I, like I, again, you know, it's part of like watching a movie when you put yourself in a movie, you know, you start thinking about, oh man, like he could have quit right here. Like th- when you were talking about certain spots, was like, oh yeah, Jay could have quit on a lot of things here I'm talking about, you know, uh, and you keep going, you bounce back and there's like, oh yeah, Jay could have quit right there. Like, and no one would have blamed him. Uh, so for you to continue to fight as we're staring into the middle of 2023 and uh, you know, you've got visions and goals for 2024 and 2030 and 2040, man. Um, I, I'm literally I'm just so proud of you. I'm a little bit um I was I don't know, I'm a little bit speechless here. I just I'm so proud of you, man. You're such a fighter. Um I'm so happy that I uh, that I invited you and that you agreed. Not everybody agrees, uh, so I'm so sorry it took you. so long. I know oh. it was like a bunch of obstacles to go no. around. But we you, finally you, were able to make it. I remember your first email back was like, "Look, man, I'm in the middle of this, this, and this, and this. <laughs> can we talk in July?" And I was like, "Yeah, I get you busy, so no worries, man. No worries. You at least responded, Jay. You know, uh, shocker, not everybody that I invite even responds back to me. So I must remember <laughs> to flag that email. That's probably why. I must've done it not during practice. Thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I'm so thankful um, that you did say yes and that you came here. And again, you know, you, I don't know, you know, listeners out there, I don't know, if you haven't been on the show, you don't know how the process of the show goes. But you know, you can ask any one of our guests. You can ask Jay when you see him next time. Uh Very little setup. Like you know, it's literally like an invitation to join us on the podcast. I have this little kind of word document that kind of just gives very cursory things of like, hey, you know, if you have earphones, that's great. If not, no, no biggie. But here's what you expect. Blah 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 blah. Uh, no questions. No preset questions. And then when we schedule the time, so today when we scheduled Jay and we hopped on Zoom, we had I don't know. Five, maybe ten minutes. Ours was fairly quick. Sometimes it goes mm-hmm. fifteen of just kind of flow. It's more about so that the guest knows how this is going to go. The the the, the rat a tat tat type of part, you know, it's like oh, okay, we're going to talk, you're going to talk, I'll ask questions, blah blah blah, and then we hit record. And so Jay here had no setup he didn't know what questions were going to come. I don't know the story, by the way. I don't know where Jay, I didn't know Jay, Austin P. and everything like that. And, uh, and the battles he's been through and that he's winning on a day-to-day basis. So, um, so I'm just proud of you. I mean, this is not an easy thing. I understand that's not easy to share. And I appreciate you sharing a lot of stories you've never shared, uh, publicly before. Uh, and I just want to give you, uh, just encouragement that, you know, that, I, it feels like you are in coaching for the right reason to help other young people. And I just want you to know that, you know, you sharing these stories today is again, going to help people who are listening today. This is going to be one of those um, transformational episodes where people are like, Oh, you know, like, like no, one's going to email you or I right off the bat. Someone will, I guarantee you, but most people aren't four years from now, you're going to be at a track meet. Somebody's going to come up to you and say, Hey man. So I listened to that podcast you were on a few years ago, uh, I was battling some things that I thought were the, uh, I actually wasn't battling. I was doing the things that I wasn't supposed to be doing, but I heard about you and your resolve and your strength and your overcomeness, And it led me to go to counseling or to AA or to w- whatever that person needs. You're going to hear, I, I'm, I'm going to predict the future here. In the next four to five years, you're going to hear someone's story of how this, uh, what you think is a very, you know, where are we two hours here, two hours of your life. That's a very small point of your whole life that it's going to affect someone's life, uh, for the good for a long time. I, I just know it's going to happen because, uh, your story is so important, man. I'm just so, so thankful for you.
2: Oh, thankful thank you, Mike. And uh, you know, if they're out there and they're listening, if they're struggling, man, all I'm going to tell you is, is just, if I can do it, anybody can do it. And it's just, it's, it's a great support group and uh, taking it one day at a time and you know that's something that shannon couldn't understand when we first got together i was straight up honest with her i was like listen i was like i'm letting you know i'm an alcoholic recovering alcoholic um and so i told her that and she was like okay and i was like so i have to live my life one day at a time i'm like because that's all i'm guaranteed so and that's kind of she was like what she's the big planner you know she's the wife she's you know she's a list person too um but she's the big planner and so i would be like she'd ask me something i'm like i don't know i just she's like "What? what do you mean you don't know i'm like I'm gonna have to get, get to that. When I get there, I was like, right now I have these other priorities that, you know, I got to make sure. Cause if, if I don't take care of these priorities, then you're not going to see me. I'm not going to be here. So, and she was, you know, she understood that. And like I said, that's, you know, she's, she's the ride or die. She's definitely a big part of that support group, but but man it's, if, if you need help, it's out there and you know, I'm here. So if anybody needs anything, if you hear this, please just, you know, don't hesitate to reach out to me. And that's, you know, that's how I'm here. You know, somebody did that for me and like I said by taking it one day at a time, August 31st, you know, I'm blessed to, to see 10 years sober. So oh,
1: man, dude. Shannon, you're a rock star. Jay, you're a rock star. One of the uh, I want to speak on that and then wrap it up here. Uh Jay said to get it, you have to give it. I might be paraphrasing there, but um, so you heard Jay. If, if he's the person that he that you need to talk to to start getting things straight, uh, if it's a counselor, don't, you know, pride, again, there's pride is not bad. Bad pride is bad. Uh, so if, if if pride is is uh stopped you from uh, seeking a counselor, seeking someone to talk to, calling that person that maybe you needed to reconcile with, even though you know those are demons that we fight as well. Uh, I'm just going to encourage you. I mean, look at Jay. Jay's Jay's killing it right now, right? Jay was not killing it uh, a, a while back, but he continues. He's going on ten years. Come on, brother, that's amazing, Jay. Uh, you know that ten years that, that ten years started one day. And so I just want to encourage you, uh, if you are fighting uh, addictions uh, of all kinds out there, um, it starts with one day. So what's a better day to start? Well, yesterday was the best day to start. So today is the second best day. So let's let's go get it started today. And we're out. I'm just going to stop the podcast right there because I don't know how else to, to end it right there. Jay, thank you so much, man. Appreciate you.
2: Mike, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Have a great day.